Um, welcome everyone to the City Council meeting. We are back from our break. This is like the first day of school, which, which used to be the Monday or the Tuesday after Labor Day. So here we are. It's Tuesday, September 5, 2023. This is the City of Alameda City Council meeting. And we're going to um, start with a closed session. And I would like to call on the um, City Clerk, Laura Weisinger, to um, please uh, take it from here. Uh, Council members, Desag? Here. Herrera Spencer? Here. Jensen? Here. Mayor Ezzy Ashcraft? Here. Uh, uh, four present with hopefully Councilmember Vella joining us shortly. Okay. And have we heard from our colleague? We have not. All right. So, um, so we're on the, um, the special city council meeting for the closed session, and we have a consent calendar. These are routine items that will be approved with one motion. Um, members of the public may speak once for up to two minutes on the entire consent calendar. In the following public comment, the council can remove items and speak for up to five minutes on each item. Recording a non-affirmative vote should be done without removal. So first, Madam Clerk, um, if I could have the audience's attention, that would be great. Thank you. Um, Madam Clerk, um, do we have any um, public comment? On the consent calendar, we okay. do not. Oh, oh, okay. So actually, I should ask you to introduce what the items are, and then we'll go back to see if there's public comment. What are yeah, those so items? So the two consent items are designating negotiators um, for the 2319 Central Avenue and negotiators for the 2315 Central Avenue, 2A and B. Yeah. All right. And so um, we still have no public comment on closed session items? Correct. Okay. So I'm looking for a motion to approve those two items of the consent calendar. Thank you. I've been moved by Councilmember Jensen, seconded by, I'm looking at you, Vice Mayor, seconded. Uh, I don't know if, if the council member had a question. That, that was just it. I, I don't know. I did have you have a, your hand up. Yes. Yes. Thank, uh, thank you, Can Vice Mayor. Can we get the motion approved and then we'll, and then we'll get, uh, get the motion made and then we'll take public, uh, and then we'll take discussion? Okay. Okay. Thank you. It's been seconded by Vice Mayor Desai. Yes, Councilmember Herrera-Spencer. So I had noticed that we have um, Director Andrew Thomas, who's, I think, interim base reuse now, also our Economic Development Director. Um, how long has he been our Economic Development Director? Andrew Thomas? Um, for the same, it's Economic Development is part of that same department, so for the same term. So it's about, about a, six weeks, I think. So economic development is now part of, is now under base reuse. It was it was always part of the community development department. All we pulled out of community development was the housing and homelessness services, and always left base reuse and economic development. They were not always together. Debbie Potter was not always base reuse. We sometimes had a separate person for base reuse than economic development. Well, when I yeah, when I got here, it was community development department, which included housing, homelessness services, economic development, and base reuse, and then. We pulled housing and homelessness out as a separate division and now reports to Amy Woldridge, our assistant city manager. And then what was left was base reuse and economic development. So that hasn't changed. Okay, well, I, I do want to acknowledge that our city used to have an economic development director and that is what that person did. And, and, uh, and obviously economic development is for the entire city, not just the base. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind. And I Absolutely. do appreciate uh, Director Thomas stepping up to do this too, uh, um, because he used to just be planning. 
Um, and now he's doing, you know, these other departments. So I do appreciate him stepping up to help out. Thank you. Thank you. We've had a motion that's been seconded. All in favor, please signify by stating aye. 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 The motion passes three to one. Uh, three, I, did, she said I. Was it for me? Oh, I didn't hear you. I said I like everyone okay, else. Okay, now I can hear you. Yeah, let's use those microphones. All right. So um, we will now adjourn into closed session to um, consider the following items, which I'd like the city clerk to please read for us. Thank you. For A is conference of real property negotiators pursuant to government code section 54956.8. Property is Project Burger located at 2319 Central Avenue, number 4513. City negotiators are the city manager, interim base reuse development director, and assistant city attorney. Negotiating parties are the city of Alameda and Hassam Hadid for doing, oh, or DBA, okay. Uh, under negotiation is price and terms of lease. 4B is conference with real property negotiators pursuant to government code section 54956.8. The property is Park Street Wine Cellar, located at 2315 Central Avenue. The city negotiators are the city manager, interim base reuse and economic development director and assistant city attorney. Uh, the negotiating parties are the City of Alameda and Park Street Wine Cellars. Under negotiation is price in terms of lease. 4C is conference of legal counsel, existing litigation, pursuant to government code section 54956.9A. Case name is Brennan et al. versus City of Alameda et al. Court is Alameda County Superior Court, case number 22CV024994. Uh, 4D is conference with legal counsel anticipated litigation, significant exposure to litigation pursuant to paragraph 2 of subdivision D of section 54956.9. The number of cases are one with the city as plaintiff with exposure to legal action. Potential defendants are right speed. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And with that, we will adjourn um, into closed session. Order. Point of order. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I would. Uh, I don't appreciate that you pushed back on me and saying you couldn't hear me. Everyone else could hear me, so I'd appreciate if you would treat me like you treat the other council members. Did you want me to say I could hear your vote when I didn't? I want to make sure I. Count I want your you vote. to treat me. Everyone else could hear, so maybe the issue is you and not me. Thank you. I'm sorry you're having a hard time, council member. We'll try to do better. All right, let's go into closed session. Um, uh, you, okay, let's go into closed session. Kind of like the first day of school, and there was a time when I was going to school when we did go back the first Tuesday after Labor Day, so here we are. Anyway, welcome. The council has just returned from closed session, and um, we are going to um, have announcements of action uh, taken in closed session, if any. I went away for the summer, actually one month, and forgot everything. <laughs> so, um, Madam Clerk, Laura Weisinger, would you please announce um, any closed session actions that were taken? I will. So, regarding uh, 4A, which was Project Burger, uh, staff provided information and council provided direction by um, three eyes with council member uh, Herrera Spencer voting no and uh, council member Vela abstaining. Um, regarding Park Street, uh, wine business, uh, council um, staff provided information and council provided direction by four eyes. Uh, regarding uh, item 4C, which was um, anticipated litigation uh, regarding uh, uh, Brennan, uh, the uh, council pro staff provided information and council provided direction three with three eyes and council members Desog and Herrera Spencer voting no. And regarding uh, item 4D, which was uh, anticipated litigation uh, regarding right speed. Um, council provided, staff provided information and council provided direction by four eyes. 
Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And with that, I will adjourn the closed session, and we will move on to this special joint meeting of the City Council and successor agency to the Community Improvement Commission. And we will open with the Pledge of Allegiance, and I would like to ask our Vice Mayor, Tony Desog, to please lead us in the pledge. Uh, please rise as you're able. Ready, begin. I pledge allegiance to, to the, the flag, flag of the United States, States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Mayor. And um, may we have the roll call, please, Madam Clerk. Vice Mayor Desog. Here. Council Members Ferrer Spencer. Present. Jensen. Present. Vela. Present. Mayor Ezzy Ashcroft. Present. Five. Present. Thank you. Now, remember, this is just the um, special joint meeting of the successor agency uh, to the Community Improvement Commission, what used to be called redevelopment. So for this consent calendar, which are the minutes and recommendation to accept the um, investment transactions report, um, are there any um, public speakers on this item? There are none. There are none. So with that, I will close public comment on the um, special um, joint meeting of the successor agency. And I will ask for a motion to approve the consent calendar. Second. Okay, so we've had a motion by Councilmember Jensen, seconded by Councilmember Vela. All those in favor of approving this consent calendar, please signify by stating aye. 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 That motion passes unanimously. And with that, we will go to the regular um, City Council meeting. A roll call. Roll call has been noted. Five present. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And so um, under um, agenda changes, there's two agenda changes I would like to ask Council to um, make and approve a motion uh, to do. And one of them is that item 7A, which is our approval of um, the um, almost the last of our appointments to boards and commissions, 7A, I would like to um, move that item up to right after the proclamation that I'm about to do. Um, so we don't, because some of those folks are here in, in person and we don't need to keep them um, too late to do that. And then the other item I would ask you to move up to be the first regular item that we hear is 7G, G is in girl. And the reason for that, and I don't know if it's a little boy or a little girl, but we have a staff member who's a very new mom and she really needs to get back to her baby at home, and so we really don't want to keep her here till the tail end of that, um, our agenda tonight. So those are the two items that I would ask you to um, make and approve a motion for that amendment. Second. So, oh, so moved. Second. second. Uh, <laughs> well, we can't have all seconds. Who made the motion? <laughs> oh, okay, Vice Mayor Desog made the motion, and um, Vice Mayor Vela, excuse me, Vice Mayor Desog, Former Vice Mayor. Councilor Ravella seconded. All in favor signify by stating aye. 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 Okay, that's another unanimous vote. Thank you, everyone. That is much appreciated. And so with that, we move on to proclamation, correct? Okay. I always like proclamations. We don't do them often, but um, it is significant when we do. So, um, whereas each year Americans observe National Hispanic and Latino American Heritage Month, from September 15 to October 15, by celebrating the histories, cultures, and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. 
And whereas this year's theme, Prosperity, Power, and Progress, recognizes the significant economic, political, and social achievements of Hispanic and Latino American communities, and whereas Hispanic and Latino Americans are elected officials, healthcare professionals, educators, civil rights leaders, community organizers, authors, artists, scientists, journalists, attorneys, members of the armed forces, first responders, athletes, entertainments, and much more. Whereas California is home to more than 15 million Hispanic and Latino American residents who comprise 40% of the state's population, making them California's largest ethnic minority. And whereas we honor and respect the resilience of Hispanic and Latino American communities who have persisted through centuries of discrimination to lead movements for justice and equality. As labor leader and civil rights activist Cesar Chavez said in an address to the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco in November 1984, once social change begins, it cannot be reversed. You cannot uneducate the person who has learned to read. You cannot humiliate the person who feels pride. You cannot oppress the people who are not afraid anymore. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, Marilyn Ezzie Ashcraft, Mayor of the City of Alameda, on behalf of the Alameda City Council, hereby proclaim September 15 through October 15, 2023, to be National Hispanic and Latino Heritage Month in the City of Alameda and encourage all residents to learn more about and celebrate the culture and contributions of Hispanic and Latino Americans, including by attending the Nuestros Colores Festival Saturday, September 23, from 12 to 4 p.m. at Chocheno Park. This event will celebrate cultural traditions from Latin and South America through musical and dance performances hands-on art activities for youth, and cuisine from the region. So I hope to see you all there. Thank you so much. All right, so with that, we will then um, hear item 7A. So Madam Clerk, could you introduce that item for us and I guess call up our um, in-person uh, board and commission members. Adoption of resolutions appointing Tracy Cote and Cote. Jordan, Cote, thank you, and Jordan Frank as members of the Civil Service Board and Ryan Bird as a member of the Public Utilities Board. All right, so in the audience, I know I see at least one who else is here. There, yeah, hi. <laughs> Come on up to the to the dais. This is Miss um, Cote, who um, I do Zoom interviews when I do board and commission interviews. She was in Hawaii when I interviewed her, not that I was jealous or anything. Yeah, and meet, and meet your fellow commissioner, Jordan Frank. Yes, this is lovely. And our, our um, last, um, we have one more. I think I'm supposed to Ryan. promote him, and I didn't do it. Let's okay. see. Uh, oh, is he? Um, he's remote, so okay. let me promote right. him to be a panelist. Wait, you're Ryan, right? Yeah, this is Ryan, so it's, and, and Jordan is on. Okay, Ryan is um, Public Utilities Board, yeah, so um, your Civil Service Board, yes. I know, I know my board is, yes. <laughs> yes, so what, what we need, um, council members, you've done this before. This is um, item 7A, adoption of resolutions appointing Tracy Cote and Jordan Frank as members of the Civil Service Board and appointing Ryan Bird as a member of the Public Utilities so Board. Moved by Council Member Vela, seconded by Vice Mayor Dave Sagal. All in favor, signified by stating aye. 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 That motion passes unanimously. And, what, and congratulations, and do we have our... 
Yes, oh, hi. <laughs> hi, Jordan, how are you? Okay, so if you'll all raise your right hand, we'll do the, oh, very quickly. And you can too, uh, Mr. Frank. Um, you solemnly swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California and that you'll well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which you're about to enter. Yeah. All right, yes. congratulations. Aww. And I'll have both of you sign. And while they're signing their um, oaths of office, I just want to, again, thank all of our board and commission members. You provide such a valuable service to the various, uh, on the various boards and commissions you serve on, advising the council on important um, uh, matters that come before you and assisting staff. And we really appreciate you bringing your, um, your time and talent to these boards. And are they going to say a little bit about themselves, Madam Clerk? Yes. Yes. All right. Who's up first? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm up first. Uh, hi, I'm Ryan Bird. I'm uh, now, I, I suppose, a commissioner on the Public Utilities Board. Um, I've been working in clean energy for, uh, geez, about 12, 13 years, um, working with utilities across the country on implementing customer programs and trying to save energy and, and fight climate change. So very excited to join the PUB and, and work with AMP and its, its long history of, of being a leader in this field and, and Alameda as really a sustainability leader. So thank you. Thank you. He's also the father of young twins, so he multitasks. Uh, hi, I'm Welcome. Tracy Cote. I have lived in Alameda since 2000. Uh, I've raised two kids here. I'm a homeowner, homeowner and I'm really excited to um, have this opportunity to stretch my um, career expertise into supporting the community. So I'm a career HR professional. I'm currently the chief people officer for StockX, which is an online e-commerce marketplace and I've been um, a published author and just all things HR for a long time. So really excited for the opportunity. Thank you. We're excited too. Thank you. Mr. Frank, go ahead and unmute. Hi. Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Jordan Frank and I have lived in the city of Alameda for almost three years um, and have had the privilege of serving on the civil service board for the past year and are excited to begin another term uh, supporting uh, staff and the city of Alameda to uh, drive a high performing civil service for, for all the people who live in the city. I have a background in HR, uh, specifically compensation and I'm excited to begin the next uh, the next stint at, at this post. So very excited and uh, thank the council very much. We thank you. Thank you so much, all of you, and congratulations. Thank you. All right. Um, okay. So then let's see, we are on, um, no, we're back to, okay. We've um, gotten through the confirmation. So now we move on to oral communication. This is number four on uh, non-agenda items. We take 15 minutes now at the top of the agenda to hear public speakers who can speak for up to two minutes on any item not on the agenda. If you're here for a particular agenda item, please wait for that item. Oh, by the way, want to give the announcement about how to be a speaker? Sure. Um, anybody in the audience, you submit a speaker slip there on the hall and you can bring it up to the deputy city clerk. Um, and then for those of you remote, um, you raise your hand uh, when the item is called and hopefully you have the most current version of Zoom because that way when we unmute you, you'll be able to speak. Um, if you uh, have any trouble, you could also call in. There's call in number and information at the top of the agenda. Um, and yeah, I think we're good. All right, perfect. So with that and my iPad just unfroze, so we're in business. Um, Madam Clerk, do we have speakers on number four? We do. Um, in person, we have Evelyn Maybe. Okay. 
just one in person so far? Yes. Okay, come on up, speaker. Maybe. We'll, we'll learn more. Hi. Hi. First meeting. So oh, welcome. Me if I do yeah. something out of order. Yeah, you're perfect. Just make sure you get a little closer to the microphone. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, as an Alameda citizen for most of my life, I'm, we're, we're starting to build and build and build new housing. And I know we have a number of 5,400 or something like that that needs to be built in the next certain period of time. Nowhere have I heard how many we've already built to see how close we're getting in the period of time. And also, a bigger concern for me is that there are properties here in town that are sitting derelict, in my opinion, um, sitting empty, sitting totally destroyed looking to enter our, our community on High Street, the corner right there, you know where I mean, um, High Street and Burnside, um, the building at um, Central or Encinel and Grove, um, um, shoot, I can't, can't remember, but there is a home on the corner there that looks like it is, and I don't know for sure, looks like it's completely empty and it's been that way unchanged for multiple years, and also concerned about the building on Central um, it's the old glass. Is that Encinel and Oak? The, the glass repair place that has been sitting probably for two decades, completely empty. Why are we closing or, or dismantling shopping centers and our community to put up new buildings when we have those sitting empty? And I would like to just, I don't know what the word is, propose, but I would like you to consider saying that after three years of a place sitting empty, sitting derelict, that it either has to be filled or sold. Thank you so much. Thank you for your suggestions. You. All right. Um, our next speaker is remote. Uh, it's Cindy uh, Johnson. Welcome, Speaker Johnson. Good evening, I'm calling on behalf of Bike Walk Alameda to raise awareness around Cycle September and to invite our council and the broader community to join us. Cycle September is a citywide competition to promote biking for everyday transportation. According to the active transportation plan, 63% of all trips in Alameda are three miles or less, which is an easy bike ride. 31% of all trips in Alameda are less than a mile, and yet 70% of all trips are made by car. Instead of driving for these everyday trips, so many of which are really, really short, we're hoping that in the month of September, people might try biking instead. The winner will be the person who puts in the most trip miles. They'll win a goodie bag and ice cream with the mayor. Thank you, Mayor Ezzy Ashcraft, for your support. More details, including how to track your miles and lots of other information and resources are on our website, bikewalkalameda.org, under the events tab. We're already in a week, but it's still early. We hope you join us. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Um, that, was, uh, that was our last speaker. Okay, with that, we will close. Um, oh, or one more person just raised We will hand. reopen um, <laughs> oral communication. Yes. Todd Hickman. Welcome, Speaker Hickman. 
Yes, it's great to be back. What a wonderful recess. I'm glad everybody is here and ready to get back to work, make things happen in the big city of Alameda. I liked hearing the um, proclamation of September being National Hispanic and Latino Heritage Month. I would have liked it a whole lot more if I would have got to hear that from the Latina on our council, Ms. Herrera Spencer. I think that would have been appropriate. Um, she may be the only Latina in history to be on the city council. So something worth noting, and I appreciate that. I'd also like to talk about 7B. I think it's very smart that the kids- Okay, let me stop you there, sir. Um, this is oral communication, non-agenda items, but we will come back to you for 7B. All right. 7B, 7B has been withdrawn, so I do get to talk about it. Thank you, Mayor. 7B. Oh, you know what, my apologies, you're right. Yeah. I, yep, you're right. I, I, I we'll give you back your time, too. Thank you, I appreciate that. So 7B, it's very smart to have withdrawn that because the city of Alameda does not even have the data to intelligently discuss that issue. If you look at the map where the three sensors are that are tracking the pollutants, um, none of those are actually in Alameda, those are all in Oakland. So again, it is very um, perplexing um, to be able to talk about something without having the proper data and following the process. So I would like to see the city get in gear on this and correct this situation. Again, there are no sensors in Alameda. The three are in Oakland, and these pollutants are going to directly affect the citizens of Alameda. So I appreciate the city digging into that and taking action. Um, one other issue tonight, I would like to see some money coming soon for all these veterans groups. This has been a consistent theme for months now, if not years. The various veteran groups coming and asking the city council for help with the money to correct the poor um, buildings, the condition, the bathroom, unusable bathrooms, all of that. Um, the veterans come and they ask, the city shakes their head, and then nothing ever happens. I'm not blaming the city, um, but I think this needs to be um, set as a liaison item, and the veterans need to be contacted and helped. Thank you. Thank you. And again, apologies for cutting you off at the wrong time. Okay. Yeah, okay. Next speaker. That was our last. Okay, so then we do close um, the oral communication item, and we move to the consent calendar. And um, this is um, an item where the items are routine, will be approved by one motion. Members of the public may speak for up to two minutes on the entire consent calendar. And then following public comment, the council can remove items and speak for up to five minutes on each item. But recording a non-affirmative vote should be done without removal. And routine items include, but are not limited to annual reports and hearings, budget adjustments, contracts, grants, final passage of ordinance, ordinances, police policies, and items returning to the council. I would also like to make a motion because we have a um, fairly substantive uh, regular agenda tonight that if any items are pulled from the consent calendar, we'll go ahead and um, move approval for the balance of the calendar, the consent calendar that's not um, pulled, and then we will hear any pulled items after we've finished our regular agenda items because we do have some things, I believe, that are time sensitive um, on our regular agenda. But we're gonna move expeditiously through this to the best of my ability. Anyway, do I have a, a motion to do that, to hear any pulled items at the end of the regular session? Regular agenda. Okay, well, we don't have to. I mean, you know, we'll be here as long as it takes, unless 
Uh, anybody want to say anything? I'd just like to see how Can't. many. I'd like to see if there, how many items are going to be how pulled. How many are pulled and, and then consider a motion? Yes. Fair enough. OK. All right. So um, you have speakers. OK, we have speakers. Um, let's hear our public comment. And, and then we'll consider a motion at a later time. Thank you. OK, Madam Clerk, go ahead. In person, we have Doug Biggs. Good evening, Madam Mayor, Council Members. Uh, Doug Biggs, Alameda Point Collaborative, here to talk about 5QRS&T. And you'll be sure to speak into the microphone okay. so we can And uh, taking this opportunity to clear up some myths that have been being spread about the project in the last couple of weeks. The design that's featured in the DDA, which will have final approval tonight, is fundamentally the same inwardly focused campus that was in the previous DDA. DDA. It is still within West Midway Development Site, but it is relocated to a different area of that site. The first location was selected to maximize eligibility for tax credits based on accessibility to various services and activities. The landscape of services has changed dramatically over the last five years, making the, that context not as important. From the day the initial DDA was approved, the council has been very clear that the priority was and continues to be the development of the reshape project and the creation of, uh, creation of additional housing for the homeless. As the city started moving forward on installing new infrastructure along Tower, Pan Am, and West Midway, it became clear that the project would get a significant momentum boost if we were located closer to that infrastructure. Not only would it speed up the project, but it will also help reduce the cost. In making a switch to a new site, several other significant benefits also accrued to us. It kept our community closer to other community services in the area, closer to the main transportation hub, closer to an expanding employment base where we've already seen residents getting and holding jobs at Firebrand, Palladium, and other businesses. And the new design also provides safer travel for our youth to get to school. Only students going to Ruby Bridges have to cross Main Street now, and for them, we provide a walking school bus to take the pressure off of older siblings. The decision was reshapes to make and the market rate developers to accommodate, which they've done with tremendous support, and we're very grateful for their work. Last but not least, I'm also extremely grateful to our residents whose voice has been front and center from the early days of conception and design and who will continue to have a major role and benefit from reshape. Let's do this. Let's get reshape built. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is remote. Uh, Shelby Sheehan. Welcome, Speaker Sheehan. Hi. Can you hear me? We can. Yes, thank you. Um, I, I do want these pulled, um, all four of them, because as Doug Biggs just mentioned, there are some major changes that have been done. I appreciate his comments, but they are without any evidence or merit. And um, knowing the site location myself, they're not really quite believable. I don't know what kind of coercion he must be under, but the um, evidence in the Miss, Miss Sheehan, we're going to freeze your time for a minute. And I'm just going to remind you that um, we don't in public speaking, you're very free to state your mind, but not to disparage other speakers. Thank you. Oh, I'm not disparaging him at all. I, I'm, I'm positing that he might have been coerced into it. I don't think that's anything wrong with his personality at all. So may I resume? Yes, we froze your time. Go ahead. Okay, great. Thank you. So um, uh, the uh, reshape project as it is now is nothing to cheer about. It could have been started two years ago, but for the city delaying it so that they could exploit it and move it. It is also um, codified in the Main Street plan, and um, it's supposed to be for their exclusive use, except now 
it is for the use uh, the commercial parcel is for the market rate the market rate has put all of their affordable housing and their operation and their build-up costs on the reshaped parcel. The design and the location was done after two years of a process, and the housing element is the driving force to add these to it. The housing element is not a law, it is a policy, but as codified in the Main Street Plan, the reshaped parcel is supposed to be where it is, for whom it is, and designed the way it is. Um, I don't know how you can say putting it farther from the school makes it better either. And also the mid, the West Midway exceeds the um, 1425 limit and has not undergone CEQA review along with the changes to site A. And that's illegal as well. And it's 94% residential when it's supposed to be mixed use. It's in super blocks as identified by Andrew Thomas and it is not walkable. So there are so many violations that it certainly should not be approved because you guys could get yourself in a lot of trouble if challenged. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Uh, Carmen Reed. Welcome, Speaker Reed. Thank you so much. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you so much, City Council and Madam Mayor. Um, so I um, I really appreciate the, uh, the two previous speakers bringing up this item. I wasn't actually planning on on bringing this up, um, but I, but I do understand that um, uh, that it it appears that there should be more um, uh, more attention to the CEQA um, in this case, especially because there are so many developments going on in that area. I'm very supportive of the of the V-shaped project. Um, I liked the original design. I think it was it was it was it was very well thought out. Um, the, 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 the proportions of the project were also very good. Um, and it, it seems like the new project, since they're adding so much additional housing, which is needed, and that's great, but they're reducing the amount of acreage. So then why not provide at least the same amount of acreage or more if you're increasing the number of units? And also, since um, the reshape project supports children and families, then why not include more outdoor green space um, to support those, um, those individuals? And those are my two cents. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker. That was our last speaker. Okay, with that, we'll close public comment on the consent calendar. And I'm looking for a motion to approve the consent calendar. Uh, Councilmember Herrera Spencer. I will be pulling items 5P, Q, R, S, and T. 5P, Q, R, S, and T. Um, okay, so uh, any other pulls from the council? Okay, so we um, can, I would entertain a motion to approve the balance of the consent calendar. I would also request um, council to consider hearing the pulled, five pulled items at the end of the regular agenda. I, Madam well, Clerk? I have one more suggestion too, as sure. a possibility. You did hear the um, items combined at the last meeting, so you could, I don't know if it would be amenable to council to combine the um, related items, Q, R, S, and T as one. Just it would hear be Q, R, S, and T as one. Um, 
thoughts, Council Councilmember Bella? I'm, I'm going to make a motion for the balance and ask that we combine um, those. I think it's four items. Yes. Um, and uh, we have people here now. I'd like to uh, get that vote done now. I'm fine moving P to the end of the meeting. Um, okay. So you are um, you're suggesting that we move. P, which is the mm -hmm. Transportation Management Association pass-through fees to the end of the regular agenda, um, consolidating items 5QRS and T and approving the balance of the consent calendar? Yes. Um, okay, can I get a second and then we'll have discussion before second. we vote? Do I have a second to... Um, uh, Councilmember Jensen seconds Councilmember Bella's motion. Discussion, Councilmember Harris-Spencer. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Uh, my apologies. I just want to register a no vote on 5P, so that one doesn't need to be pulled. All right. Simpler still. <laughs> you. Do you want to amend that motion? Um, yeah, so I'll amend the motion to approve the balance and uh, with the no vote amend, uh, noted on uh, item 5P and then to combine uh, the four items 5Q, R, S, and T. That we'll hear as soon as we approve the balance of this. Yes. Okay. All right, um, we've got a motion. It's been seconded to um, combine those last Tracy's four. Tracy's okay with that. If, if the seconder of the motion's okay with that, Councilmember Jensen, you're okay with that, right? Okay, um, and so so we'll um, we'll hear them, but as all one motion, um, as soon as we approve the balance of the consent calendar. Okay, um, all in favor, signify by stating aye. 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 That sounds like five eyes. That's unanimous. Okay, so items um, QRST. It's like alphabet <laughs> soup. Um, the um, no, I think this is great. So, um, uh, what's um, what's your question, Councilmember Harris Spencer? Since you pulled this, so I don't really have a question. I had just wanted to explain my no vote, uh, and more than just saying no. Okay, take it away. All right, so um, I had voted no when this came to us previously, and I will uh, be voting no today uh, for the, and I want to um, thank the speakers that called in and expressed concerns. I do agree with the speakers in regards to moving the uh, families uh, who will have school-aged children farther from the schools. I don't support that. I think that they should have been kept closer to Main Street um, and, uh, and farther from, uh, so, so the current plan flips the market rate from the affordable or transitional housing, uh, putting the market rate closer to Main Street and uh, the reshape project, which serves uh, people that need, need supports, uh, puts them farther from the schools. And we do know, and I appreciate that there's a walking school bus. My position is they're walking too far. I think that the, it was the shorter distance is better. I think it is actually significantly better. And prior to being on council, I was on school board, I was PTA council president, and we really know that walking to school, elementary school kids, having to cross Main Street, and then they still have a really long distance to get to Ruby Bridges is a big ask, and those are long blocks. So I, I do think uh, that it was better to keep the uh, families that would have children closer to Main Street. I also agree with the caller in regards to uh, we are actually reducing the uh, amount of land and yet increasing density. So, and so then that does reduce uh, 
green space and playgrounds and all of that that families also need. So I, I don't know why we would be doing that. I do think it does help the market rate, but I think it hurts uh, the affordable that way. And I don't, I don't think we have to continue to do this when we have these projects. It's very important to, I think, prioritize the uh, transitional housing and the below market rate housing as opposed to the market rate housing. Um, I do have the, I also want to um, express for the record the, all of the concerns raised by Shelby Sheehan in her multiple emails going back to August uh, 13th all through today's date. She raises many secret issues and uh, she said today um, the general plan issues, there's just multiple issues. So rather than state them all, I want to incorporate those correspondence into my uh, no uh, comments. And that completes my uh, 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 concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now I'm looking for a motion to approve items 5Q, R, S, and T. Vice Mayor Desa? Um, I will move to approve items um, Q, R, S, and T, 5Q, R, S, and T. Thank you. Second. And seconded by Councilmember Vela. Um, may we have, uh, not a call vote, all those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 I'm sorry. Um, I counted four ayes and... You didn't say all those that oppose. Oh, and opposed? I oppose. Okay, um, so four um, affirm and, and one oppose. That motion passes, thank you. Okay, now we move to the regular agenda. And as we had earlier um, stated, and thank you everybody for who was, who was here for those items. Um, we're really excited to see them moving forward. So now is when we made that agenda change. So we are going to first hear item 7G, and I'm gonna ask our um, clerk, city, um, city clerk, Laura Weisinger, to please introduce that while we welcome Sarah Lee to the, um, to the dais, or to the microphone, welcome. Recommendation to accept offers of dedication for the Clement Avenue extension and introduction of ordinance approving the transfer by quick clean deed of approximately 0.11 acres of city owned property at the Del Monte development site to Alta Buena Vista owner LLC in exchange for the Clement Avenue right of way between Entrance Road and Sherman Street to the city per the development agreement for the Del Monte Warehouse Project in 2008. The city council certified an environmental impact report for the Northern Waterfront General Plan Amendment. Additionally, in 2014, the city council accepted a subsequent mitigated negative declaration and mitigation monitoring program for the Del Monte Master Plan and Development Agreement. None of the circumstances requiring further California Environmental Quality Act review are present. Welcome, Ms. Lee. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor Ashcraft and members of our city council. My name is Sarah Lee, and I am the supervising civil engineer with the Public Works Department. This evening, I am introducing um, the ordinance for the acceptance of city right-of-way dedications, as well as the parcel transfer for the Del Monte development. Next slide. The primary consideration for this, or uh, for this ordinance is to effectuate a parcel swap of a city-owned parcel in exchange for the Clement Avenue right-of-way which was built as part of the, develop, the Del Monte Development Project. The Del Monte Project is located at 1501 Buena Vista Avenue. That's on Buena Vista between Sherman Street and Entrance Road. Um, and we would like council to consider the first reading of an ordinance that will accept the offers of dedication for the right-of-way and approve the transfer of a city-owned parcel. Next slide. 
I'm gonna walk us through a brief history of the Del Monte project. Um, Alta Buena Vista owner LLC is the developer. So in 2014, city council approved the Del Monte master plan. Also in 2014, city council and the developer entered into a development agreement for the project. In 2016, city council approved final map tract 8254 as well as um, entering and executing a subdivision improvement agreement for that final map. Um, then in 2019, two irrevocable offers of dedication were made for portions of right-of-way along Clement Avenue. And also in 2019, site development permits were issued for the project. So construction began for the public improvements and the public improvements for this project include roadway, storm and sewer infrastructure, sidewalks, a class four separated bike lane, um, street lighting, landscaping, et cetera. In 2022, um, Clement Avenue was open to the public for use and city council uh, partially accepted the subdivision improvements. Today, um, as a separate item, consent item 5I, city council accepted the remainder of the public improvements. Next slide. The, the Del Monte Development Agreement is an agreement between the city and the developer, and it allows for a property exchange between the two parties. Section 6B, here on the screen, I'm not gonna read it, um, describes a developer obligation to transfer the Clement Avenue right-of-way to the city. Next slide. Section 7C of the development agreement describes a city obligation to consider the transfer of a city parcel to the developer after the acceptance of the improvements and the right-of-way. Next slide. So really the question is, um, you know, as previously mentioned, the Clement extension has been open to the public since 2022. And on the screen, um, we have you know, different colors. Um, the Clement Avenue right-of-way is made up of three parts. The area shown in red is the right-of-way, which was dedicated as part of the final map for Tract 8254 by the developer in 2016. Um, in 2019, TL Partners provided the city an irrevocable offer of dedication for the area shown in green. And then also in 2019, North Waterfront Cove LLC provided an irrevocable offer of dedication for the area shown in blue. These three pieces make up the Clement Avenue right-of-way. Also, just to go back to the irrevocable offers of dedication, which were made by TL Partners and North Waterfront Cove, these offers of dedication remain open until the city council accepts them. So going back to the development agreement, um, the development agreement calls out for a, an exchange of a city-owned parcel for this right-of-way. So where and what is this parcel? Next slide. The city-owned parcel is the area shown on the screen in yellow. On the left is the parcel lines, and then on the right is a more descriptive picture. Um, it's a parcel line superimposed onto a recent aerial photo. The parcel in question is a 0.11 acre parcel and is located on Buena Vista Avenue between the Little John Commons Senior Living Facility and the Del Monte Warehouse Building. Just a little bit of parcel history. Um, this parcel, 0.11 acres, 
was originally part of a larger city-owned parcel, which was given to the, little, to the housing authority to build the Little John Commons facility. This 0.11 acre parcel is no longer, is not needed by the housing authority. So earlier this year, the housing authority deeded it back to the city. As you can see on the right-hand side of this image, um, this parcel serves as the driveway entrance for the Del Monte warehouse. Next slide. So Public Works recommends the movement of this ordinance to the second hearing to accept the offers of dedication provided by TL Partners and North Waterfront Cove and the approval of the transfer of the 0.11 acre city-owned parcel to Alta Buena Vista LLC. In terms of next steps, if this moves forward, the second reading of the ordinance will be on the consent calendar for the September 19th City Council meeting. And if passed, this ordinance will complete the land transfer obligation that the city has agreed upon with the developer as part of the development agreement. This completes my presentation. Thank you. Thank you, nice job. All right, council, before we, <laughs> there's, there's a little silent applause from Public Works Director Aaron Smith behind you. You would maybe could feel that. Um, council, do we have any clarifying questions before we open this item up to public comment? I thought that was pretty clear. Um, Madam Clerk, do we have any public comment on this item? We have one speaker on this item. Okay, but, um, let's have our public speaker. Denise Trepanier. Welcome, Speaker Trepanier. Trepanier? Yeah. We'll find yes. out. Welcome. Yes. Hi. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor, and thank you, City Council Mayor, uh, City Council members. I appreciate the opportunity to speak tonight. Um, I appreciate that this is a, a really complicated project, um, and I, I'm really happy, as somebody who lives right in the neighborhood at Eagle and Sherman, to see this intersection um, come to the point it's at and also very happy for all of my new neighbors um, in the warehouse but i'm speaking um, about the intersection um, i know that this is a, a an exchange and consideration for the infrastructure that the developer built at the at the uh, intersection there but um, this is a key component to the cross alameda trail and i don't think the intersection is still working as anyone envisioned that it would we've, we've come to understand um, from speaking with staff that um, it, it is to spec but there is a point where if you are crossing um, with the pedestrian signal across sherman that the pedestrian signal comes on um, after i'm sorry it comes on um, after the right turn prohibition, which means that cars think that they can make a right turn across the pedestrian signal before the pedestrian signal turns on. Um, and I, I, I get from staff that this is working to spec, and so I don't want to hold up this whole big project for this, but um, this is a really critical part of our low-stress network, and I, I think it's really important that we get our intersections right along this corridor. Um, I, I, I guess what I'd ask tonight is that we, um, or, or that somebody make a motion perhaps to move forward with the approval, but um, maybe staff to come back with a plan to make sure that we address these things with developer-led projects going forward so that we have the right specs in mind. Especially we have a lot of our low stress 
network getting um, signal work coming up. We've got Grant, we're gonna have um, the signals on the Cross Alameda Trail along Ralph Alpizado, there's Clement. Um, so I think it's really important that we get this right. So um, again, thanks staff for all this work. I'm, I'm thrilled with the project, but we'd just like to see more attention paid to the implementation of our, of our goals around intersections. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Um, Zach Bowling. Welcome, Speaker Bowling. Evening, Mayor and Council. Yeah, I originally wasn't going to speak on this, but I did want to back up the statements that uh, Bikewalk Alameda just made, uh, specifically on just this intersection and the issues around it. Um, I I don't know if I sent it to Council. I, I shared it with a few people um, about a humorous video about the menace pimple and the design of that intersection, and specifically just the way uh, various different designs that came in, developer-led designs with the city designs, and um, how they kind of fit together in certain areas. They don't really um, come together so nicely in a couple of spots in Alameda, but that was one of those where things were a little bit uh, cattywampus um, <laughs> in how they, they all fit together. So um, I just wanted to, to throw in also on that same sentiment that was last passed, um, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. We don't have any more. Okay, with that, I will um, close public comment on um, this item. And I'll open the um, floor for council discussion and a motion. Council, I want to start from my left with you, Councilmember Jensen. Do you have any questions or comments? Um, thank you, Madam Mayor. I, I, what would my, my main question, I guess, is what would be the what would uh, happen and what would change if this isn't adopted, if the council didn't, didn't uh, approve the recommendation? Go ahead, Ms. Lee. Um, so if council does not approve this recommendation, um, we would not have Clement Avenue as public right-of-way, formally, um, as well as Alta Buena Vista would not have the parcel that they need in order to have access to their building. Thanks. And then um, with regard to any other improvements that might be occurring after this transfer is done, after this, um, this is, a, if this is approved, could there be, or do you anticipate any improvements such as to the street or to the, the crossing? No because um, I would not anticipate any further construction um, because the, con or the developer has completed their obligation as part of the subdivision improvement agreement. Thank you. Just going down the line, Vice Mayor Desai, anything from you? No, nothing. Um, Councilmember Vela? Nothing? No, I, I, I'd like to make a motion um, let but me I know that I know that okay. Councilmember Spencer, I, I did have, actually I do have one question uh, for a city attorney, which is one of the speakers asked for future developers to to uh, go over a process, and that's not agendized tonight. Um, and so, just was curious about whether that can be part of the discussion or should be part of the discussion. I think what's agendized tonight is the transfer and the dedication, and so I think it should be narrowly tailored to that conversation, Council Member. Thank you. 
Okay, but did you want to give direction for a discussion to come back at another time or off agenda item? No, okay. Thank you for that clarification. Council Member Herrera Spencer. Council Member Vela asked my questions. Okay. <laughs> All right, okay. So just taking into account what the city attorney said, um, I, you know, I, I appreciate the, the public comment and the feedback, um, but I do wanna move approval of this item uh, tonight. All right, is that a motion? Yes. All right, so we have a motion by Councilmember Vela. Um, Councilmember Herrera Spencer, since you had the same question, would you like to second? I'm happy to second it. <laughs> right. It's been moved by Councilmember um, uh, Milia Vela, seconded by Councilmember Trisha Herrera Spencer. And all those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 That was five ayes, unanimous passage. Thank you very much. Thank you. We got you out of here reasonably early. Okay, thank you. <laughs> On time. You're welcome. Good to see you. All right. Thank you. So now let's see where we are. Um, item 7B was withdrawn. Um, it will come back to us later. City Manager, just want to comment October on that? October 3rd. We'll October be bringing 3rd. that item back. And that was because? Um, because the Port of Oakland extended their comment deadline from September 15th to October 16th. And so we wanted to give the community and staff um, more time to re review the letter, see if there might be something more to add based on public comment that we're receiving. And then we'll bring it back on the third for council feedback. Thank you for that clarification. So by my calculation, we're now at item 7C. Is that correct, Madam Clerk? Correct. All right. Please introduce that item for us. Introduction of ordinance amending the Alameda Marina Master Plan and approving density bonus application number PLN 23-0179 to increase the Alameda Marina statewide housing unit count from 760 units to 801 units. The Alameda Ma Marina Master Plan Environmental Impact Report State Clearinghouse 201610264 and the Alameda General Plan 2040 Environmental Impact Report State Clearinghouse 202103 were Certified in accordance with the California Environmental Quality Act, none of the circumstances necessitating further environmental review exists under CEQA guidelines sections 15162 and 15163. So I have um, Alan Tai is um, joining us remotely. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, I will turn the floor over to um, Alan Tai, who is Acting Director of Planning, Building, and Transportation. Are you over my shoulder? Um, we don't see him yet. Is he on? Yeah, he's coming on. Is he yes. on that roof Well, well there? he'll be up. As soon as your presentation goes, he'll be up. He's there. Okay. Zoom, but you'll All see right. him after the presentation. Okay, great. So how does this work? Is he going to introduce? Yes. Okay. Welcome. Hi, can you hear me? Good we evening. sure can. Hi. Hi. Good evening. Uh, Madam Mayor, members of the City Council, Alan Tai, Acting Planning Building and Transportation Director. Um, glad to uh, see you via Zoom tonight. I'm sorry, I can't be there in person. Um, I... Tonight, I have a housing project for you. Um, I would say 2023 is um, ending up to be a relatively slow year compared to recent years on new housing development, um, but very happy to bring forward this application before you this evening. Uh, next slide, please. So the request before council tonight is to introduce an ordinance to approve an amendment to the Alameda Marina Master Plan and density bonus application. And this is to increase the maximum housing unit count on the site from 760 units to 801 units. That's an increase of 41 units or roughly 5% of the uh, master plan total. Next slide. 
Um, before I dive into the deeper uh, details about the proposal, I just want to give everyone a recap and of the background. In 2018, the City Council approved the Alameda Marina Master Plan. This is located at the city's northern waterfront. The master plan included several components, uh, mainly focused around 760 units of housing, including 104 units of affordable housing, as well as a variety of marina, maritime, commercial uses. Uh, part of the master plan also provides the public with uh, over three and a half acres of water-oriented public park and open space. Um, and very important as part of the master plan project is um, rebuilding the seawall, which is uh, nearly 4,000 uh, linear feet of seawall that would protect this part of Alameda from sea level rise as well as flooding. Um, and the developer um, is also obligated to improve Clement Avenue, um, nearly half a mile stretch of pedestrian and bicycle um, improvements. Next slide, please. So this slide um, provided by the, the developer Alameda Marina shows um, the site at, at a very recent state. Um, as part of phase one of the master plan, the developer has completed the seawall construction. Um, that's about a $35 million project, as well as the Clement Avenue um, frontage improvements. You will see on the slide phase one, uh, the, the launch building, that building is completed with 360 units. Occupancies, I believe, began this summer. At the top of the slide, you will see phase two, which are townhomes being built by Lancy Homes. There will be 182 townhomes under construction once that phase is completed. Um, and in the sort of the um, upper portion of the screen, you will see that square that's uh, outlined in black, and that is phase three. Phase three is the subject of tonight's conversation, which the developer is proposing to increase the unit count so that that phase three building um, would include up to 259 units, up from the 218 that was originally contemplated in the master plan. Let's go to the next slide. So specifically, um, tonight's proposal is an increase of 41 units. I mentioned that's roughly just shy of a 5% increase. Um, and these units come from the developer proposing to uh, increase the affordable unit count from 104 units to 117. And they're doing that by adding 13 very low income units. So essentially Alameda Marina um, is providing 13 more VLI units and under state density bonus law that provides them with a 25% density bonus. And those units, um, they are applying to the phase three uh, building. And, uh, and this, with, Mr. Tai, just for clarification yes. for somebody who's not reading along on the screen, a VLI uh, unit would Sorry, be- it's, it's an acronym for a very low income units. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the, the plan is to accommodate the additional uh, unit increase in the exact same building size and footprint as contemplated in the master plan. Uh, the developer consistent with the master plan will also be recording a condominium map to allow these units to be sold in the future, or at least create that possibility. Next slide, please. Uh, here is just kind of a table that breaks down the various unit counts by phase. If you take a look at line three, phase three, wrap B foundry, um, you will see that the resulting 259 units is made up of the original 218 plus the 41 units that are being proposed tonight. 
and that results in the total under the mixed line of 801 units. Next slide, please. Uh, the proposal tonight is um, uh, covered under two very key state housing laws. The first is state density bonus law, as well as the Housing Accountability Act. And under these, uh, these bills, um, the council discretion tonight is fairly limited um, in, in the consideration and approval of, these, uh, of the housing unit increase. I would also like to add that the Alameda Marina site um, and the proposal tonight is consistent with the general plan. Um, and the site is a designated housing opportunity site under our recently adopted housing element. And just a reminder for council, the, um, the proposed increase will help the city meet its arena. Our arena goal is 5,353 units over the next eight years. And as of uh, the end of last month, the city's progress in issuing building permits, we've only hit 48 um, year to date. So this project does, um, will help us a lot. Uh, let's, let's go to the next slide. Um, so in last month, uh, in July, or I'd say July 10th, the planning board did consider this proposal and recommended the city council approve the master plan amendment. Um, the planning board under its design review authority also gave uh, this uh, RAP B, the phase three building architectural approval. And over the next couple of slides, we'll just show you a flavor of um, the building design. And so this is the, the side of the building facing the water and the finished promenade once it is done. And here's a slide of the front of the building facing Clement. So with that, the planning board and staff is recommending the city council approve the master plan amendment and density bonus to add 41 units to Alameda Marina. And that concludes my presentation and I'm happy to answer any questions. I also like to just point out um, the developer of Alameda Marina, Sean Murphy, I believe is also on the call and is available if the council has any questions for him. Thank you. All right, thank you, Mr. Tai. Okay, with that, um, I'll take any clarifying questions on the staff report from council before we go to our public comment. Clarifying questions, council, council Murray Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, thank you, uh, Director Tai, her interim acting director. I appreciate your report and I really appreciated the pictures. I have a question in regards to when they're increasing the number of units, uh, what about the number of parking spaces or bicycle spaces? What happens with that? Right, um, so through the chair, the Please. master plan includes a, uh, there's a, the, the city's parking requirements has a maximum parking spaces, so the proposed Parking count has not changed with the additional units. What has increased though is the um, corresponding number of uh, bicycle parking spaces, as well as um, the contributions to the TMA, which is uh, a cost based on per unit. And the TMA is the Alameda um, Transportation Management Association, which, is, which exists to to find ways to uh, reduce um, vehicle miles traveled and auto usage. Continue, um, Councilor Harris Spencer. Thank you, so uh, if I'm hearing correctly, no additional parking spaces, so what happens to those 40 some cars? If, you know, what happens to those cars? Or do you want to explain the parking formulation for this development? Yes, I can certainly do that, Mayor, thank you. Um, so the parking, 
that comes with the Alameda Marina Master Plan is unbundled, meaning um, for tenants who choose to live um, at these units, um, it is sort of by choice whether they they would want to uh, lease a via uh, lease a parking space or not. So it's not necessarily guaranteed that the uh, residents here will have a vehicle. In fact, the development is really designed and um, catered to uh, alternate modes of transportation. Well, I had a question. That was, my question was what happens to the cars when there's not enough parking spaces? Mr. Tai? Yeah, so um, there's... Uh, additional street parking. There's also um, surrounding parking lots, which are really not intended for residents to park overnight, um, but there's auxiliary parking around the property. And how many total parking spaces are there to be leased? Um, I, I will need a moment to look that number up. I don't have that on the top of my head. Maybe the developer can help you? Okay, while, um, while Mr. Tai is looking that up, are there any other clarifying questions from the council? So let's do this. I know um, we'll get that answer for you, council member, but in the meantime, let's go to public comment. Do we have any public comment, Madam Clerk? Uh, the developer, Mr. Murphy has raised his hand. Do you want me to promote him? Absolutely. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, welcome, Mr. Murphy. Hi. Good, good evening. Uh, Sean Murphy, Alameda Marina, uh, to answer uh, Madam Spencer's question regarding parking. The proposed project, which is 259 residential units and one work-live unit, uh, will have 373 parking spaces, which is 1.44 uh, spaces per unit, uh, which we feel is uh, adequate, uh, especially considering uh, the multimodal additional bike parking access to the Bay Trail, access to Clement Avenue. So from our market studies, uh, 373 parking spaces is sufficient for the 259 residential unit proposed project. Thank you for that. Councilmember Harris Spencer? So I thought it was 760 units to 801 units. Um, that's in the title. Yes, sorry. So uh, what I was trying to do is answer your question specific to the phase three RAP B proposed project. Okay. Uh, there is a, a very large number of parking stalls across the entirety of the project. We can get that for you, but it's well over a thousand stalls for the project, for the master plan as a whole. What we are talking about specifically is just how this master plan amendment would then be affected in this phase three building uh, to increase those units only in that site and make sure that there's adequate parking for those new housing units. Thank you, I really appreciate that comment then. Um, what about bicycle parking? Do you know how many spaces are, and what those are, what they will look like? Are they cages? You know, what kind of security is there for the bicycles? Uh, yes, yeah, so this is Sean Murphy again. I'll, I'll answer that question. In the proposed project, uh, again, in keeping with the master plan amendment, there will be 311 bicycle parking spaces throughout just this final phase 
of construction for the, the phase three wrap B project. Again, across the entirety of the site, the master plan, well over a thousand uh, bicycle spaces throughout the master plan. That's a combination of either uh, at grade, uh, you know, pedestrian friendly kind of bike, bike racks, but also secure storage uh, throughout the building itself. The proposed project for RAP B that we went before planning board and got unanimous approval will actually have a designated bike room right there off of Lafayette Street, close to the corner of Clement, really accentuating that that you know the bicycle need that we we have as Alamedans to to get across the the island. Um, so 311 spaces just in this single project. Thank you very much. Okay, any other clarifying questions, Council? With that, let's go to public comment. Uh, Madeline Sadek. Welcome, Speaker Sadek. Evening, Madam Mayor, Council Members, and City Staff. Madeline Sadek, President and CEO of Alameda Chamber Economic Alliance, representing 19,230 of workforce in our community. We are in full support of the ordinance amending the Alameda Marina Master Plan and approving density bonus to increase the sidewide housing units from 760 to 801, which really aligns with our housing element. The ability of the developer to add additional units without really changing the size of the project is a big win for our community and business community especially. As Alameda continues to grow its businesses, we really want employees to work near their jobs. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next speaker. Carmen Reed. Welcome, Speaker Reed. Good evening, Madam Mayor and City Council members again. Um, I just had a few comments uh, regarding this project. I think it looks very interesting. Um, and I appreciate um, the increase of the very low income units um, to 7%. But as I look at the complete number of units uh, for the master plan total, uh, it looks like the total affordable is 18%. So my suggestion to all of you and city staff is, you know, that's great. You're going in the right direction to increase the number of, of affordable units. However, I don't think we're there yet. So I think that we should have a goal um, like we have at, the, at Alameda Point to at least do 25%. And, you know, if, if we know that we have issues within the very low income categories and in the low income, why not increase it to 30%? So, I mean, we have these developers here who are eager to do these projects. These are long-term investments for them, right? I, I believe that these are all, um, these are all rentals, uh, which uh, will generate, um, you know, significant returns for them in the long run then I think that the city of Alameda should uh, should also ask for more, right? So why not ask for 25% now so that we can meet the needs of our, of our residents and of our community? Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next speaker. Zach Bowling. Welcome, Speaker Bowling. Uh, evening, Mayor and Council. Um, I sent a letter in support of this project. I just wanted to reaffirm that support here tonight, personally, as well as through East Bay Yimby and our partner organizations throughout the East Bay. Um, this is great. It's only a 41 net increase number of units, but significant portion of those that are in the BMR category are uh, the very low income category, which 
is some of the hardest to hit in our arena numbers, as we know from past years. <laughs> and as many Bay Area cities know, it is some of the hardest to pencil out and, and actually get built. Um, on just the previous comment, I was just gonna say that um, we have a 15% mandated um, affordability requirement throughout most of the city. We can do 25% because it's publicly conveyed lands, um, but we can't do that generally everywhere without a lot of <laughs> requirements to have to be met, which are very onerous and probably would get us in trouble. Um, but this is a high availability or this is a, the opportunity area that we have in our housing element. This is the great or the best place to build this type of housing. And since the developers using density bonus, we get that bump over our 15%. Um, so this is great. This is a great way to build affordable housing um, and still have housing that's viable to get built in the first place um, so that projects actually pencil out and we get new housing that we need so badly um, within our region. So um, I'm just going to leave it at that and say uh, I ask for your I vote on this and uh, let's get moving so we can get to our, our arena targets this year. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker, uh, Shelby Sheehan. Welcome, Speaker Sheehan. Hi there. I just, you know, I, I love that we're doing all this new housing. I just object to the fact that they all are these big blocks that have all the, that have such an enormous coverage in the lots. I'd like to have the design review standards respected a little bit more, maybe a lot more, have it more Alameda oriented like it's supposed to be, and just make it more pleasant to live in and give a higher quality of life for the residents there and the surrounding area. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker? Well, that was our last speaker. Okay, with that, we will close public comment and we will take it back to the council for discussion and a motion. Um, who wants to lead off? Let's start at this end of the dais with you, Councilmember Harris Spencer. I just have, uh, I want to follow up in regards to the public speaker that suggested increasing the below market rate percentages. Is there a member of staff that could explain or uh, the developer? Uh, what impact that would have if we made such a requirement. Mr. Ty, you want to take that? Yes, thank you. Um, so the, the State Department of Housing Community Development sees inclusionary requirements as a barrier because um, it does require the, the developer to deeply subsidize the various affordability levels, particularly at the very low income level, that is a pretty major subsidy. So um, if the council were to Require well one one. I don't think the city council under state density bonus law can make that mandate. However, um, you can give staff that direction when we come back and um, propose revisions to our inclusionary ordinance. But I don't believe that is an action you can take tonight to mandate a twenty-five percent or thirty percent inclusionary mandate. So I appreciate that answer. That um, that's just part of the issue. I think is there a staff member that could speak to what, what's the chance of our project being built if we did twenty five or thirty percent? Oh, do you want to do you want to speak to that, uh, Mr. Time, Mr. Thomas, whoever would like to talk about? Um, I know you spoke earlier about how few um, permits have been pulled um, in the year twenty twenty three. Do you want to continue on that thread? I mean, the developer might be able to offer a little bit more insight on the actual cost, but my uh, staff's understanding is, again, the inclusionary units uh, require subsidy, and um, the you know raising the inclusionary requirement beyond fifteen percent is going to be a burden, and I, uh, um, I think that would impact the um, finances for this project. 
Mayor, may I just um, please? Um, I just want to clarify the question is about the feasibility of this project or the feasibility of raising the inclusionary requirements citywide? I just want to be clear. Well, the question was in, in regards to this project. Okay. Yeah, then right, I think the developer would probably be the best able to tell you whether or not they think that's feasible and financeable. So could we ask um, Sean Murphy? Mr. To Murphy, can you, can you come back? Yes. Or be promoted? You should be able to tell. Good evening, Council. Hi again. Marina. Uh, yes, it, it, every project that we bring before the Planning Board, the City Council, we want to make sure that these projects are completely financeable. Uh, this project uh, had a, has the master plan has tremendous burdens, which are the $35 million seawall and then $10 million of street improvements. So for us to be able to increase and utilize this 25% state density bonus, which does increase the affordability from 15 to 18%, and that, that larger burden being uh, borne by just this one project, that is the maximum financeable uh, total affordable that, that we can deliver uh, for a project like this, especially in comparison uh, to the other major infrastructure uh, like critical seawall and sea level rise uh, that this project is a master plan has already actually delivered for the island. So it, it is a matter of making these projects financeable so that we can build them. I would also say that this project, which really started construction as a master plan in 2020 with Clement Avenue and the seawall, really contemplated roughly a, a 10 year uh, overall build out, provided that this project is approved. Uh, we would think that this completes the master plan by the year 2020, the end of 2026, and that's again in in, uh, in concert with delivering that seawall and, and that street improvements. Um, so it, it's a it's a large effort, and we want to make sure every project is financeable. Thank you. I really appreciate that response. And also, in regards to architecture, there was a comment uh, from a public speaker in regards to not necessarily blending in with Alameda as much as uh, some of us would like. Uh, what would happen if we said we wanted smaller buildings or um, you know different pitched roofs or you know to make it as opposed to these blocks um, you know I'm going to pause um, to ask uh, Mr. Ty you may um, be able to address this or I have um, Andrew Thomas in the audience do you want to talk about the design review standards do you want to talk about the standards for this particular area of the northern waterfront I spent six years on the planning board, so I have some, some recollection of that, but um, do, you want to, do you want to start with that, Mr. Ty? I can certainly speak to that. Because I think that, that would help um, start to answer Councilmember Harris Spencer's question. Uh, no, that's not my question. That could be your question, that's not mine. <laughs> well, I think you can tie it into, can we add more um, architecture that blends in uh, Go ahead, Mr. Ty, with that question, if you, if you understand you. it. So if I understand Council Member Herrera-Spencer's question, it was alluding back to the speaker who who um, suggested that the buildings could be a little bit smaller, smaller footprints. Um, I would just refer back to the 2018 master plan, which um, created these blocks, and the master plan included specific design standards for the footprint, uh, the design of these buildings, and what's currently proposed um, with the RAP B building is consistent with that 2018 council decision. 
Um, the design standards that were incorporated in the master plan um, specifically, and this is addressing Madam Mayor's question, um, uh, captures elements of uh, the building materials that are seen in the neighborhood. These are materials that are commonly seen at a waterfront setting. Um, it evokes sort of a maritime feel with the uh, different types of uh, use of siding material together with stucco and some metal finishes. Um, so, so the proposed project, I would say, is consistent with the master plan and specifically catering to the, this particular location in the city. Go ahead, um, Councilor Harris Spencer, you still have the floor. Thank you, so I appreciate that response, but if, if we did require um, smaller buildings, uh, would that not require then more space and more cost? Aren't there financial reasons why this block design works? Absolutely. Um, the, the, the site plan, the master plan, the way the streets are laid out and the infrastructure that's already laid out supports the uh, block pattern that was approved in the 2018 plan. So to change it now, I mean, that would there would be major infrastructure costs to basically carve out the blocks into smaller blocks. I think it would, it, it, I would, I think it would render the project um, cost prohibitive, but I would defer to the developer. Thank you, I appreciate that. You know, I'm just going to touch on the question that we had, we heard asked a couple of times about, why don't you increase the amount of affordable units to, oh, it's 18 now, let's do 20, let's do 25, 50, what the heck, let's do 100. Um, so I spent a lot of time on housing issues with the League of California Cities at the statewide level and regionally. And sometimes when those proposals are made, it's- of order, I think this is question time. Um, I'm just addressing a, a point that was raised. So one of the things to consider, actually we finished public comment, it is now council discussion. Oh, okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so what I was starting to say is that uh, the League of California Cities, Metropolitan Transportation Commission, ABAG and others are really excited about a ballot measure that is coming to the November 2024 um, ballot for the nine Bay Area counties, of which Alameda is one, the ABAG region. And this is um, a measure for the Bay Area Housing Finance Authority. It's a general obligation bond that would build up a fund for cities and counties to be able to draw from to build affordable housing. So we're not constantly going to the state and begging and going to the, but it would create this own funding source. So it's something to keep, keep an eye on. We'll be talking about this more, I think, from this dais. But that's the opportunity to increase the percentage of affordable housing. Right now, um, Mr. Murphy and Mr. Ty are absolutely correct to keep adding more requirements, more requirements is really a way that this project would become infeasible, and we don't want that. So um, thank you for all that good information that was imparted. Okay, um, we're moving down um, the, uh, the dais. Councilmember Vela, did you wanna add anything, ask anything, make a motion, what have you? <laughs> I, I think that the project is way over parked, and I've, I've said this before, I think there's a tremendous amount of parking spaces, um, but I also uh, am, you know, uh, I understand that uh, part of it is them complying with our, uh, our, our 
regulations and, and uh, requirements. Uh, and with that, I'm willing to make a motion. Um, I think this is a good project. I'm glad that this is one of those projects that uh, on my time in, uh, on council, uh, we've, we've not only voted for it, but we've actually seen various phases of it built. It's a great project. Uh, and uh, with that, I, I make a motion to move forward. All right, thank you. Do we have a second for that motion? Second. And it's been, motion, been seconded by Council Member Jensen. Okay, I have spoken. I'm all in on this project, so let's go to you, Vice Mayor Daysock. Oh, well, thank you. I think the point raised by uh, resident uh, Ms. Carmen Reed is a um, really important point about the affordability. But the reality, though, is that um, to get this project to 25% uh, affordable, versus the amount that's there right now at 18%. That's really a, a policy decision that would have had to have occurred, frankly, several years ago. Um, and so that's the bigger picture. Um, and just to reiterate the point that was raised earlier by the um, project proponents, this project is uh, unique in that it is carrying certain costs that many other projects um, uh, outside of the shoreline of Alameda don't carry, and, and that has to do with the, um, the seawall, um, uh, seawall especially, um, but certainly the streets. Um, and so for that reason, um, it's understandable that there might be uh, much, um, the, the, the number of, of uh, the share of market rate housing uh, will be um, uh, what it is right now. Um, now, in places like Alameda Point, where we, the city of Alameda, own the land, you know, we're in a position to drive a 25% um, uh, affordable rate. And, you know, that was a policy decision, again, also that was made, you know, decades ago in conjunction with rental activists as, as well as uh, the city councils of the past. Um, and as a result of those decisions at Alameda Point today, we're able to, you know, achieve 25% new affordable housing. But you know, on projects like this, this is out, way outside of Alameda Point, so the leverage that we, the city council, have um, are few. And the reality is that in arriving at the 18% affordable, which is three percentage points above the state um, minimum of 15% um, affordable, you know, the, um, the project proponent is um, taking advantage of basically local rules um, that the city has adopted um, from the state, that is the density bonus. Um, so they're following the rules that we set in place. If we, in the bottom line though, is if we wanted to change the rules we, for this project, we would have had to have changed the rules several years ago. Um, so we're at a point now of, of, of addressing the request to increase the um, amount of uh, units um, by 41 or so units um, and in, as a proportion of the total number of pro uh, units in this project, that seems like a pretty reasonable amount. Um, so uh, I could certainly um, live with um, that amount, um, 41 out of what it is, a total of 800 plus units. So. Um, uh, so I, I will be supporting this project. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Council Member Jensen, anything from you? No. There was no? Okay. <laughs> We've had a motion. Council Member Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. So um, I am also supporting this project. I actually want to thank uh, the developer and I want to thank Sean Murphy for joining us this evening. 
Uh, I think uh, when I'm looking at the project, I think it is important to have private outdoor space. There's a lot of balconies on, on these units. Um, I think, yes, we. I personally would love to have uh, more architectural details. Unfortunately, I know that's not going to happen. Um, so this is, I think, uh, the best that we can ask for. And I have met with the developer multiple times in regards to how to get as many windows as we can, for instance, things like that, right? And I think that the, develop, the developer has done a really good job trying to accommodate uh, these um, architectural improvements. It will make, I think, a, a, a more enjoyable place to live, uh, <coughs> given the constraints that we have, right? Um, and make it make it as affordable as possible. It's cheaper to, my understanding is it's cheaper to have these units in this block pattern, and then at least we can add these design uh, details that will make make it a better place to live. So I do appreciate uh, the efforts of the developer and Mr. Murphy joining us. I, I I really when I have a developer that does that and sits in on the meeting, I think that that is noteworthy and. Uh, and tries to answer the questions. And honestly, I think they always do try really hard to answer our questions and to work with us. So thank you. Thank you. Um, Vice Mayor Daisley. One here. more quick point. One thank you very point. much. Appreciate that. Uh, one more quick point. You know, the reason why I will support this project because it is at the end of the day reclaiming the shoreline for a public use and beautifying the shoreline, bringing people to the shoreline that you know people hadn't been able to access prior or at least at least enjoy it in the same way. So um, and so this is for all of the public. So I appreciate that. So that's why I will support this. Thank you. All right. We have a motion. It's been seconded. May we have a voice vote, please. All those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 That's five eyes. The motion passes unanimously. Thank you so much, staff. Thank you, um, Mr. Murphy. Good to see you virtually and hear from you. And with that, we are moving on to item 7D. Madam Clerk, would you please um, introduce that item and staff who is involved in that one? Come on up. Madam Clerk. Recommendation to establish a community and economic benefit special events grant program to support events that bring economic, cultural, and or community benefits to the City of Alameda and adoption of resolution amending fiscal year 23-24 general fund budget to appropriate 200000 from the general fund residual fund balance for the program. Good evening. Welcome, Ms. Amanda Gerke. Go ahead and introduce yourself. It's nice to see you. Thank you. Uh, so my name is Amanda Gerke, and I'm with the Base Reuse and Economic Development Department. Um, I'm here tonight to talk about a proposal for a new grant program to support special events in Alameda. But first, I want to give you guys a little background on how we got here. So in 2018, City Council adopted the Economic Development Strategic Plan, which directed staff to improve the special events permitting process and attract more events to the city. We had a slight pande pandemic delay, uh, but we've been working hard on this and we're able to launch a new permit application and approval process this past spring. Along the way, we also learned that the challenge for event organizers and city staff was not just the permitting process, but also a lack of clarity on how and when the city provides support in the form of technical assistance or funding um, or other forms of subsidy for events. Next slide, please. So historically, the only um, formal subsidy that the city has provided was to waive the permit application fees for nonprofits, and that's established in the master fee schedule. Uh, as you may know, staff will be bringing an update to the master fee schedule uh, before you all in the coming months, um, and that will include a closer look at this fee waiver. 
tonight, however, the focus is more on these informal subsidies the city has provided. There's a whole list here, I, I won't read them all, but it's everything from barricades and signs for street closures uh, to waste receptacles. However, not all events received this kind of informal assistance, and it's not really clear how it was decided who would receive these subsidies. And also, because the assistance was informal, uh, departments have basically just been absorbing these costs. So more recently, many departments have moved away from this kind of informal assistance because we want to treat all special events the same, and also because we want to understand and account for the true cost of the services and materials that the city is providing. This, of course, has created a challenge for event producers who've relied on this assistance, as well as producers of new events uh, who are hoping for similar assistance. Next slide, please. So to address this challenge, staff is recommending that we establish a grant program to formalize the process through which the city provides uh, subsidies for special events. Specifically, we're recommending a program of uh, 10 to 15 grants with a maximum of $20,000 uh, per grant to help subsidize large, high-profile events uh, and cover costs that the city has previously subsidized. Now, the goal of this program is really to support all of the amazing benefits that these events bring to our community, whether that's through economic development, uh, increased foot traffic and tourism dollars, bringing our community together through shared experiences, or bringing a wider range of arts and cultural events to the city. You may notice I've included uh, some photos throughout the presentation that represent some of the types of events that might qualify for these grants. So that's newer events like uh, Alameda Pride or Fiesta Alameda, um, but also more long-running events like the 4th of July Parade and the Downtown Alameda Art and Wine Fair. Next slide, please. So for the selection of events, we're recommending that Daba, Waba, and the city each be allocated grants for up to three events. So this distribution really reflects the importance of bringing foot traffic to our main streets, as well as the long-running uh, informal support that these events uh, have received from the city. Now, if the business associations don't have three eligible events planned, they could assign their grants to community events held in or around their district. So for example, WABA could assign their unused grants to the West End Arts and Entertainment District. The remaining funding would be granted out to other nonprofit community events through a competitive process. So in order to qualify for these grants, events must require street closure or day of city services. And the reason uh, we're requiring that is because these are the events that really tend to need the greatest assistance from the city. Events would also need to provide community, cultural, or economic benefits, and event organizers would need to have a proven track record of complying with city rules and regulations at previous events. Next slide, please. So staff is recommending city council appropriate $200,000 from the general fund residual fund balance for the program. This is a pilot program, um, but if it is successful, we may uh, request funding to continue the program in the future. And if the program is approved, we anticipate opening applications in early 2024 to fund events held in the 24-25 fiscal year. So this concludes my presentation. I welcome any questions. Thank you very much. And so before we go to public comment, do we have clarifying questions about the staff report? Um, Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you. Um, thank you for this presentation. Where does the Alameda Point fall? 
So events uh, at Alameda Point would be um, able to uh, compete for grants as part of the competitive application pool. So they're not really part of WABA then, or are they? They are not part of WABA. Thank you. Um, I have some clarifying questions, and I, um, I emailed this to staff earlier, um, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surprising you. So, I, and by the way, I really like this proposal, and, and I want to compliment you on the presentation. In fact, Hisat, I want to compliment you, because all of your staff have done a lovely job um, this evening with their staff presentation. So compliments to the staff, but this is our city manager. Um, who oversees them all. So um, I understand this is from page three of the staff report that to qualify for this grant, an organizer must have a proven positive track record with the city. But I'm concerned about those first time organizers. So rather than kind of throw them out there on their own and say, do a good job and if you do, we might consider helping you next year. Is there any way that we might be able to set aside um, a portion of funds for um, for, for newbies, for first-timers, because I would hate to think that someone just might find, find that an insurmountable barrier to even trying. Yeah, thank you. Um, I definitely see your concern about disadvantaging um, uh, new events from new organizers. Um, I think our recommendation would be to change the requirement from you must have uh, organized one successful event in the city to if if you have had a previous event where you didn't apply with rules and regulations, that you would then therefore not qualify for, uh, for the grant in the next round. I like that. Okay, let's keep that in mind. Um, and then um, there is also a, um, on page four, there's a reference to business associations. So there were the three that we saw, three, right? Waba Daba and city the this city would be the would be the uh, three organizations that would each be allocated three grants right so um, rather than a business association that doesn't happen to have events that would use up all their allocation or three events or whatever it is um, they can assign their grants to community events held within or adjacent to their district. My comment is, I think the city still needs to approve these assignees, because after all, these are city funds, public funds that are being used, and the same selection criteria should apply to you, whether you're um, one of our designated business districts or the city or a sub, um, a sub assignee, whatever you would call that. So I would want to see a provision in there moving forward. And then um, on page five, we talk about the um, panel uh, members who would review eligibility for the grants, and they include WABA and DABA. And my question, and it's not personal, but just from a procedural um, and, and transparency point of view, it seems like a conflict of interest to have people who are eligible for the grants also be um, uh, reviewing applications. Um, the Chamber of Commerce representatives would be fine. I suggested maybe Public Art Commission members, um, representatives from Alameda Police and or Fire Department, uh, because they would be involved in some of the you know, street closure and logistical support. But I, I, would, um, I would have um, concerns about having folks eligible for the grants also on a review panel. So those are my questions. Um, so, um, just uh, 
right now, the uh, the proposal is have to is to have uh, an existing committee, the Facade Grant Committee, review the review the grants. That includes members of WABA, DABA, Chamber of Commerce, and two city staff members. Um, and um, the way that we have structured the program as is um, is that um, we would have is it basically that we wouldn't anticipate DABA and WABA submitting applications as part of that competitive application pool. I think, as you suggest, Mayor, um, we would require that any of their events um, do need to meet the goals of the program and would require approval um, from city staff. Um, but for the, um, uh, you know, right now, Wab and Daba, they've been doing some restructuring of their event calendars uh, post-COVID. Um, right now, they each have one or two events that would qualify for this. Now that may change in the future, um, but the only way that they would actually be part of that competitive pool is if they had uh, four or more large high profile events. Um, and if, if that did come to pass, then we would suggest that the um, representative from DABA or WABA or whoever is throwing this event uh, recuse themselves from the vote. Okay, that's that sounds good. Um, so, um, and you agree that the assignees will go through the same criteria. Okay, that sounds good. That's all for me. Other um, clarifying questions, comments? Okay, public comment, Madam Clerk. Uh, we have one speaker, Kathy Weber. Oh, now two. Okay, welcome, Speaker Weber. Good evening, Honorable Mayor and Council Members. Um, I'm just calling in to support this initiative um, as one of the organizations who went through the uh, the new and re improved and revised permit program um, I just want to have first of all have an opportunity to thank city staff and and the economic development staff for this new approach to um, looking at our special events and providing a, a platform and an outline that really makes it clear for event organizers to navigate. So thank you for that. And then also the support that, um, that the city can provide um, is greatly appreciated. We just, um, wrapped up about a month or so ago, uh, maybe not even, um, the uh, return of the art and wine fair. And this new model um, really does impact organizations with creating um, new and, and um, substantial costs that um, that we've had to face with, you know, street closures and a number of other um, parts and elements that had one, at one time been included in sort of the the, uh, the 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 creation of these events and so any support is much appreciated and being able to bring in a wide variety of our our neighbors and and other and, and invite folks from outside of the community to join and enjoy Alameda was um, with the Art and Wine Festival Fair was was really something that um, we were thrilled to um, participate in, and so as we look to new and and reinventing events, um, this kind of support I think is going to be critical for organizations as we move forward. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. And did Ms. Weber introduce yes. yourself as, as your as in your title? She did. Yes, I'm Kathy Weber, Executive Director with the Downtown Alameda Business Association. Thank you. And you did a great job on the Art and Wine Festival. We loved it. All right. Thank you, yep. Speaker Weber. Our next speaker, uh, Linda Asbury. Welcome, Speaker Asbury. Good, uh, good evening, Linda Asbury, Executive Director of the West Alameda Business Association. Uh, this is such a good move forward for events. There's been some fuzziness about who did what and why. It makes it so clear. And it also recovers the cost from the city, from our events that make it really good for our uh, district. And so I totally support this. I totally support even that uh, maybe WABA may not do an event, but West uh, in Arts District on our street will do an event, and we have the means through this to support it. So uh, thank you, city staff, for bringing this forward. You have our full support to bring anything we can to Webster and Park Street to bring business, to bring people into Alameda. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker. And that was our last speaker. Okay, so with that, we will close public comment. Back to the council. Um, Vice Mayor, you got your hand up. Yes, Take it away. thank you. Uh, just uh, logistical questions. Um, by when do you anticipate um, kind of uh, having straightened out all your internal processes, A, then B, by when do you anticipate um, issuing applications, and then C, as early as when might special events begin to be funded? Sure. Um, so we're going to be working on nailing down all the details um, if this is approved over the next uh, few months. Uh, I think by the end of the year, we should have the internal processes um, set. Uh, we would be then meeting with um, Daba, Waba, and the city uh, in probably January of 2024 to determine uh, which events they are going to be seeking funding for and what that funding will be. Once we know what um, amount of funding they need, then we know how much we have available to give to the, the competitive pool. So we hope to open that application process in February around. Okay. Um, don't quote me. <laughs> um, and then this will be funding for events that are happening in uh, fiscal year 24-25. So it would start uh, in July of 2024 through June of 2025. Okay, thank you. Well, for you, um, Councilmember Jensen, no, nothing. Okay, Councilmember Harry Spencer. Well, I think it's a great idea. I appreciate the um, directors uh, calling in uh, from our business districts. Um, I think our community loves community events, so I strongly support this, and I'm happy to move the item. Want to make a motion? Okay, she makes a motion to um, approve this. Who wants to second? Vice Mayor Daysog, you'd love to. I'll second. Who was that? Who was the other second? Malia. Malia. Okay, Councilmember Vela seconds. I know they're getting, going shy and retiring on me now. Really? Okay. We have a motion by Councilmember Hurry Spencer, seconded by um, Councilmember Vela. All those in favor, signify by stating aye. 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 I heard five ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Thank you so much, Mr. Ms. Gerke. Really nice presentation, and I think it's a great program. All right, thank you. With that, we will move on to item 7E. Madam Clerk, would you please introduce this item while we um, set the stage, we exit stage left and enter stage right. 
Okay. Well orchestrated. Adoption of resolution increasing the mayor and council member salaries in accordance with Alameda City Charter Section 2-1.1 and 2-4 amended by the voters in November 2022 to increase mayor's base salary to 28,311 annually and council members base salary to 18,896 annually retroactive to July 1st, 2023 and amending the fiscal years 2022 through 23 operating budgets authorized a reallocation of 97200 each fiscal year from non-departmental contingency to city council personnel budget. And I'd like to welcome our um, uh, HR director, Jessica Romeo. Welcome. Good evening, uh, Mayor, uh, Madam Mayor and members of council, Jessica Romeo, Human Resources Director. I'm presenting staff's recommendation on updating salaries, uh, council salaries consistent with the November 2022 amendment to the city charter. Uh, so as background, this process began in uh, 2018 with uh, the mayor's appointment of a subcommittee to review the charter and make recommendations on items to bring to Alameda voters. In 2019, the subcommittee returned with recommendations, one of which was to amend sections of the charter related to the compensation of the mayor and council members. Part of the discussion and one of the primary reasons for this update was a desire to encourage a more diverse and larger group of candidates um, and to combat concerns related to financial barriers to running for office. Uh, in 2020, council voted to place the amendment on the November 2022 ballot. In November of 2022, Alameda voters approved by nearly 54%. And so the charter was amended and now places a maximum on the mayor and council members' compensation at, bless you, 30% of the US Bureau of Labor Statistics salary for all occupations in the San Francisco, Oakland, Hayward area. The most recent statistics are from May of 2022, published in April of this year, and the salary is 94,370 for all occupations in the San Francisco, Oakland, Hayward area. The maximum set by the charter, 30%, is $28,311 annually. In determining a recommendation, staff looked for comparable cities within Alameda County and chose five cities of comparable size and cost of living to survey for the median salary. These cities are Dublin, Livermore, Pleasanton, San Leandro, and Union City. Staff reviewed base salary and found the medium for these five comparable cities, as well as the median difference between the mayor and council member salaries. Uh, as you can see, the Median salary for council members in this um, survey was $15,876 annually. For the mayor, mayor is $25,503 annually. And in general, council member salaries are about 67% of mayor salaries. So staff's recommending setting the mayor's salary to the maximum allowable by the charter, the 28,311 annually, and council member salary to 67% of the mayor's, and that comes out to 18,896 annually. Staff's making this recommendation in an effort to balance uh, the desire to encourage a larger, more device pool with, and concerns of financial barriers to running for office with um, with trying to keep costs and increasing costs reasonable for the city. Uh, additionally, setting salaries above the median now provides room for expected increases to the median in these survey cities over the next couple years. 
Alternatively, city council could set salaries at the median, the 25,503 for the mayor and, and 15,876 for council members. This still provides an increase to encourage a more diverse pool, addresses financial barrier concerns, and it is a lower cost alternative than what staff's recommending. However, it does not allow for expected increases to the median over the next year uh, and may result in uh, compensation of less than Alameda's current minimum wage when looking at uh, kind of an average of 20 hours of work weekly. And then alternatively could set everybody's salaries at the maximum, the 28,300 annually. This provides the greatest benefit, the greatest encouragement and the reduction in barriers to financial barriers. Um, However, it is the most costly alternative. So now uh, council uh, can adopt by resolution staff's recommendation of setting the mayor's salary at uh, the maximum allowed by the charter, the 28,311 annually, council member salary at 67% of that, 18,968 annually, one of the alternatives or any other amount council decides um, and amend the budget for reallocating those funds. Thank you, Ms. Romeo. Another great staff presentation. So before we go to public comment, um, we, do we have any clarifying questions from the council? <coughs> I'm not seeing these hands up, so we will go to public comment. Madam Clerk. We have none. We will close public comment. Okay. <laughs> All right, back to you, Council. Councilmember Jensen. Well, first let me say thank you to, um, to Jessica, or excuse me, to um, our, Ms. Romeo, Director Romeo, and to um, actually the council that preceded me for all this work in getting the charter amendment on the ballot. And it did seem to be, have sufficient, or substantial support, I should say, from Alameda voters who read the ballot arguments and, and did the research and voted to support this, the um, increase, to support the charter amendment to increase, or actually to establish the salaries for city council and the mayor. And I wanted to um, appreciate the information, the chart about the different um, cities, Dublin, Livermore, Pleasanton, San Leandro, and Union City. And I wanted to just add a little context um, to those, to that chart. And I, I did some additional research because I was wondering whether, like Oakland, the city of Oakland, which council members have a very substantial, it's a full-time job salary, whether any of these other cities that had a more nominal salary or um, stipends had committees or additional meetings. And so I'll just share with, um, with the audience and my colleagues that the only city that actually does have any council members assigned to committees is San Leandro. San Leandro is a little bit of an outlier in the chart because they, there are actually six council members along with the mayor and all of the other cities have four council members with the mayor. And San Leandro does in addition have committees, they have finance facilities and rules committees that are chaired by city council members. So that's an additional additional um, activities and duties for the city council. In addition to that city, um, San Leandro, the city of San Leandro has two regular meetings and a work session each month. So they they are working 
harder than um, than the other cities in 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 the in the um, the comparison. Having said that, I'll also point out that what isn't apparent in the um, report, and what I want to share with, especially with um, viewers and with those who might have a little concern about the extent of the the duties and the burden, is that all of the cities in the in the comparison, as well as Alameda, have um, external representation by city council members. So each of the members, city council members, and um, the mayor, to a greater extent, represent the city of Alameda on various local and regional boards and commissions. And so that's something to keep in mind. It's not just the two committee meetings. It's not, um, I shouldn't say just, the committee meetings. It's not watching, as most of us do, or all of us do probably, the other committees and the, the public meetings, which many of us attend when we are available. So there are a number of other, other activities and duties that fall to the city council. And so I, uh, I'm supportive of the recommendation. And again, I appreciate the work that um, staff did for this. Thank you, Council Member Jensen. We'll just move down the line, Vice Mayor Deso. Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate the staff's recommendation. So um, I appreciate the analysis that went into it. Um, so thank you very much. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, end of sentence. Okay. <laughs> Vice uh, Council Member Vela. Yeah. You know, when we voted to put this on the ballot, a lot of the conversation centered around not just the council members that are currently seated, but what uh, this sort of pay equity would mean for potential future council members and uh, aspiring uh, public servants. And I think um, being the mother of, of two young kids, being uh, the first council member to be pregnant uh, while being a member of the council. Uh, and I think just trying to um, be more inclusive of uh, have, have candidates that are more uh, inclusive and reflective of our diverse community is really important. And I think the way that we get there is by actually compensating and valuing the work. And so I think that this is really important in terms of uh, the future of our city and making sure that we have elected officials um, that, that can afford to be here. Uh, this really shouldn't be something that is exclusively for people who um, you know, can, can privately fund um, living in the city of Alameda. We know that it's expensive to live in the Bay Area. We know how expensive childcare is. Um, every night that you're here at a meeting, it's a night that I didn't get to put my kids to bed. It's a night that I didn't uh, get to be at home for dinner. Uh, and, and it's time away from your family. And whether you have a young family or um, not, I think that we have certainly underpaid these positions for quite a long time. And if you look at the calculation for how many hours, it's not just the, the two meetings that we have, it's all of the preparation that we have for these meetings in order to do uh, the work justice and in order to serve um, our constituents in this city. And so it's really important that people are committed to the work, that they're willing to read the packets and the agenda and meet with staff and meet with um, interest holders and, and members of the community um, and to do, to do good work. And so um, I, I will be supporting staff's recommendation tonight. I think it's, um, it's about time and uh, I look forward to what this will mean for future election cycles in our city. Thank you, Councilmember Harris-Spencer. Uh, thank you, thank you, staff. 
I want to thank the voters for, so I did support this going to the voters to find out what they thought in regards to increasing council pay. Um, I personally have concerns in regards to the mayors or the council members. Um, the formula here is 67% for council members of what the mayor uh, gets. Uh, count, the mayor also participates on commissions and whatnot where you get additional money. Um, I've, I, for instance, am on uh, the airport noise forum where I do not get any additional money. So it's not always the same for all of us. Uh, but. I think the reason I supported it was, in fact, so that uh, more people would apply. And I think uh, when you look at the other cities, there, uh, this, this was the median that was recommended for council. There were actually four of the five of us up here, which means more than likely whomever will be up here as council, they will be getting the lesser amount. So I actually don't think it really goes to our purpose of why we wanted to do this, which was to get more people eligible to be able to um, serve their community and reduce the barriers. And one thing I looked into, so I personally think we should look at increasing the percentage for uh, the council members. Um, I looked at what do we pay our city manager versus our assistant city manager? Uh, just to, as, okay, well, well, what do we do there? And uh, the city manager base, if I have it correctly, is 315675 a year. So by the time you add benefits and everything, it's well over actually 400000 I believe. Um, the assistant city manager is 274049 as the base, which is 87% of the city manager's pay. Um, and I honestly think that when we look at those ratios for staff, that you know we, we do get that they that our assistant city manager puts in almost as much effort, if, if not the same, as our city manager. And so uh, we intentionally don't have such disparity. We don't ask our assistant city manager to, to have the job at 67% of the city manager. And in fact, if we did, she would be below a lot of our other um, staff members. Um, so I think it would be appropriate for council to look at um, a higher percentage for council members uh, so that we really do address the concern of um, welcoming all members of our community to serve. And I honestly think the 18, what is 18,000 uh, for the amount of time we put in and you know the concerns of daycare and everything else um, isn't really sufficient if we want to reduce barriers. Thank you. Um, so I want to commend staff. I'm, I'm very gratified that you brought this forward. I'm gratified. Um, I think I may have helped write this ballot measure, maybe with Councilmember Vela. Um, but we, you know, we put it to a vote, and, and almost 54% of the public agreed with us. Um, I favor the staff's recommendation. I have served as both a council member, and I'm now in my second term as mayor. There is a difference in the, uh, and I've loved all the jobs, and I love being mayor, but. Um, I put in more than 20 hours a week, and it's it's a lot of time. You can choose to do this job, you know, in many different ways. I've chosen to get involved at the state level, um, regional, county, because I think it brings benefit to our city. But that's me. My my twins are now, you know, grown and out of um, out of the house. But 
what I like about this, I think it really hits a sweet spot, recognizing that soon the general law cities, where a charter um, city will be voting because state law just gave them the opportunity to vote to increase um, what they are paid. And so we will probably be passed by those general law cities that were in that study. But I think this is a reasonable um, recommendation because it is coming out of our general fund. But there's, there's money left over um, for compensating us better, and I do think it is very important. One of my big pushes in my last term as mayor is to do succession planning, and um, I've appointed some really impressive people to our boards and commissions, and I encourage them to consider running for elective office. But as has been noted before, um, they need to know that there's some compensation for the significant time that they spend. But at the same time, there's other things we can do to broaden the pool. I want to see candidates um, that represent every kind of diversity in our city from across the city, different age groups, what have you. Um, I would like to help defray the cost of putting your candidate statement into the voter um, information pamphlet. I know our city clerk, Laura Weisinger, is working on that. It's going to take, um, bring that to us a little later. But that could be something that we could allocate some dollars to, not necessarily just, you know, making it free, because I think it's good to have some skin in the game, game, but if we could just give people you know, some allocation toward those printing costs, everyone should have their, their candidate statement in the ballot. So anyway, I, I think this is um, a great recommendation. I commend staff for bringing this back to us, and I'm ready for a motion. Gonna move uh, that we move, uh, make a motion that we move forward with staff recommendation. All right, you have a motion? I'm happy to second it, but I would like to, uh, and not to change the motion, but to just add um, a comment about the whole, about this issue. Um, to, to my earlier point as well, I would like to, um, I, and I'm gonna support this motion, the motion and passage of the staff recommendation, but I think that the city council should look, um, it, well, to um, Mayor Ashcroft, at the Ashcroft point, the appointments of um, people to serve on our boards and commissions is a very vital role and to find good people who have the time to donate uh, often at least four hours a month and not including prep to these commissions that's really helps the City Council tremendously to identify and and take action on various issues local issues affecting residents of Alameda having said that um, what I'd like for the City Council to do at some point after we approve this, hopefully, would be to evaluate the opportunities or the potential for having City Council members participate on some of these commissions. The higher visibility commissions have some leadership role or to consolidate or um, improve the commission structure. And the reason I, I'm suggesting that the City Council might be more uh, involved, directly involved, is because that would give more authority to some of the major commissions that come forward to the City Council. And this, I'm not gonna belabor this, but I would just like to present that and to have that come back at some point in time. And with that, I'll, I have said sure, that i prove and think, second the motion. Yes, I think that's something the city, the city attorney would probably wanna weigh in at some point, but it's not agendized tonight, so I appreciate you truncating that. We've had a motion, it's been seconded. Vice Mayor Desai, yes. Uh, just a quick point. Um, uh, with regard to the point raised by Councilmember Herrera Spencer as to um, equal 
somewhat equalizing the council members' uh, rate pay uh, relative to the mayor's pay. The reason why I'm satisfied with, uh, what, with what staff recommended is because that's frankly, that's the methodology that, that I arrived at <laughs> leading up to November 2022, taking a look at um, an average of, the, uh, of comparable cities. So that's why I, I really appreciate the uh, staff's recommendation. I support it wholeheartedly. Thank you. All right, we've had a motion by Councilmember Bell. It's been seconded by Councilmember Jensen with some uh, request direction to staff. Um, all those in favor, please signify by stating aye. 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 Opposed? Opposed. The motion passes four to one. Thank you so much. Okay, with that, everybody, um, my two-hour timer just went off. I always set my um, timer for two hours when we start a meeting because that is the most time that the doctors at UCSF say you should stay sitting in a meeting without getting up and moving around. It's good for your circulation, for your eyes, everything. So, council, set your watch for 10 minutes. We will be back at 9.25 p.m. to take up the rest of um, our agenda. Thanks, everybody.
extension option in accordance with the California Environmental Quality Act. This action is categorically exempt from further environmental review pursuant to CEQA guidelines section 15301 existing facilities. All right, and welcome Mr. Thomas. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Good evening, Mayor Ashcraft, Vice Mayor Desog, members of the City Council. My name is Andrew Thomas. I'm the Interim Base Reuse and Economic Development Director for the City of Alameda. And we're really pleased tonight to be introducing an ordinance um, and recommending approval of a lease for Building 39 with PICA Inc. at Alameda Point. Um, I think I can do this, Ashley. Thank you. Um, Building 39 is located at 950 West Tower at the heart of Alameda Point. Uh, this photograph on the left of Building 39. Um, it is, as most of you already know, but for the benefit of the public, this is a building that's located in state tidelands, which means we are can lease this building, but we cannot sell it. So we've, um, and the building is currently vacant. It's over 106,000 square feet in size. It's um, one of our um, most valuable assets at Alameda Point. It was formerly occupied by Delphi. Um, and as I said, it's, it's currently not occupied. So um, we are really pleased to be recommending a new lease for this building. The revenues from these leases are critical to our ability to maintain Alameda Point, increase security at Alameda Point, and all the other needs um, at Alameda Point. Um, I thought it was interesting that our um, one of the adjacent long-term tenants here is Sail Drone, which is a developer of autonomous sailboats. And they're located right next door to this building, just west of Building 39. Um, a little bit about um, our recommended lessee, uh, Pika Electric Aircraft. This company is a relatively new company. They are designing um, and building and producing autonomous electric aircraft. Um, this these aircraft um, are being autonomous. Um, they are um, good applications for dangerous flying situations. Um, being electric, they are, um, we think they are um, very important um, to the future of the aircraft industry and the ability of the aircraft industry to reduce the greenhouse gases that are emitted by this industry. Um, those. Greenhouse gas emissions are significant, and as a city located adjacent to an international airport, this is an industry we think um, should be supported. Um, and if it is and grows in this country um, and internationally, it will benefit um, us directly. Um, it is a new application. It's a new industry. Um, these are um, new types of aircraft. Um, and so the permitting process, the application process, is arduous, um, requires all sorts of licenses. And the initial applications for this type of um, technology are going to be, um, frankly, dangerous applications. Applications where um, that are um, such as agricultural applications, such as crop dusting, as well as um, uh, um, Aircraft that can fly to very remote locations to deliver cargo. Um, these are both the kinds of um, applications that are, that frankly, are just dangerous. Um, but if something does go wrong, um, you are less likely to have a situation where an aircraft crashes into an urban area or harms people or improvements on the ground. 
Um, this is an important step in the development of this technology. Obviously, um, FAA and others are not going to approve these kinds of applications in urban areas until they've been proven in these um, rural areas and in these types of applications. Um, but of course, we're hoping that through um, companies like PICA, um, this is a really changes the way aviation is done, um, and you'll start seeing these applications um, much more widely and in urban areas ultimately, which as I said earlier, you know, we are very concerned about and have been historically about the impacts of the international airport on the city of Alameda. Our two main issues, emissions, noise, and safety. Um, so um, we do think this is an appropriate application to be supporting. About the lease, um, obviously they're going to use this airplane hangar that was developed by the U.S. Navy to um, develop and maintain aircraft. So um, this use is fairly pretty appropriate for this building. Um, they will be designing aircraft, fabricating aircraft, assembling aircraft. This is a picture um, of what one of these aircraft look like. Um, obviously, they'll have some office uses, administrative support. They've also agreed to do an annual science fair for Alameda schools, which we thought would be really a nice community benefit um, for Alameda students to come and learn about this technology and, and, and see these aircraft being developed. Um, on the exterior of the building, um, we spent quite a bit of time working with PICA about um, how the outdoor space would be used. As a manufacturing company, they do want to have the ability to store materials and equipment outside. They also need areas for staging. Obviously, they're manufacturing a product, and it needs to be um, created up and moved on trucks to other locations. They will not be flying these aircraft at Alameda Point. Um, they will not be using the aircraft at Alameda Point. They're developing the technology. So. Um, what this diagram on the right shows is building 39 in pink in the middle. It also shows the future extensions of Lexington Street and Saratoga Street, which will be coming down the sides of the building towards the water. So this, um, the way this is oriented, the, um, the water is to the south of that diagram. Those blue zones that are approximately 50 feet wide are the areas that we've identified on the, for the lease premise area. Um, immediately adjacent to the building are the areas that can be fenced for secure storage. Um, and the idea here is to maintain the view corridors through to the waterfront from Alameda Point. These view corridors are identified in our specific plan for this area. Um, this is just a, some photographs illustrating how this works. On the left, if you, um, that's uh, Saratoga. If you are walking down Saratoga, you can see the, the, right, the right of way. You can see the existing building on the right, which defines the view corridor. You can see the Hornet in the background. So nothing in that view will be blocked by the um, future storage areas for building 19. And then on the right is um, Lexington Avenue. It's a little bit harder to see, but that is the Hornet sort of peeking at the bow of the Hornet peeking out behind that building on the left in this case, um, and so nothing will be in that view corridor um, out to the water. Um, this is, as, as Laura said, an eight-year lease with a three-year option to extend, so for a total of 11 years. 
Um, the rent is over $100,000 per month. That equates to over a million dollars per year in the first year. It starts to uh, escalate 3.5% after year three. So when you add that all up, this is over $14 million over the 11 years. This is money that we need very badly at Alameda Point to, to continue maintaining, securing, um, um, and improving facilities at Alameda Point. With that, I'll um, conclude my presentation. Um, this is a public hearing, um, so um, we recommend that you hold that public hearing, um, and we are recommending introduction of the first reading of this ordinance tonight. I'm available to answer any questions, um, as well as the PICA um, representatives are here tonight as well. I understand that they've all taken out taken out speakers. Yes, steps. so I we'll think get they to them. Have. We'll yep. get to them next. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Um, before we let you go, um, Council, do we have any clarifying questions for Mr. Thomas? Council Member Herrera Spencer. Thank you. Uh, my question actually goes to how many votes do we need from Council to pass this? I believe it's four. Thank you. Anything further, Council Member Jensen? So, um, can you go a slide back? to the, um, I just want to clarify the lease terms. Is it this one? Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah. So this would be an eight-year term lease, and um, that's, is that a what we normally? It varies from lease to lease, but this is a fairly typical range between 10 and 15, I would say, is pretty typical. This was, you know, this is 13 when you add the option in. No, it's 11, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's my only question. Councilmember Harris Spencer, we received some correspondence in regards to the sprain. Yes. Uh, can you respond uh, in regards to you know why why staff thinks this is an appropriate company for Alameda? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking that question. I appreciate that. Um, we are certainly um, sympathetic to the concerns of those who, who, who sent in letters and raised issues about crop dusting and, and spraying of, that's used in agricultural applications. Um, this company doesn't develop pesticides. It doesn't own pesticides. It doesn't sell pesticides. Um, what it is doing is developing, as I said earlier on a previous slide, it is developing a new technology. Um, it, to develop these technologies requires investment, investor you know, um, capital, and one of the key ways that these new companies are able to continue to develop this technology is through showing that it has early applications and that actual comp other companies are willing to buy their product for, for different purposes. Um, so one of the early early uses that um, has have been identified by companies that are not PICA is hey this we are we are um, or those companies are doing crop dusting. It's a very dangerous thing to do, difficult flying conditions, um, and they, those other companies have decided that this is a type of application they want to try out, and they want to purchase some of these, these aircraft from PICA. So for this company to 
we believe to survive and to be able to continue to develop this technology for other purposes, and the purposes that frankly we care more about, reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the aircraft industry, um, uh, for example, reducing the noise from aircraft, for example, um, it is gonna be important that in investors and buyers of this application step up. Um, so for us, that is a, um, not a reason to deny this, this lease. Um, we think it fits within our sort of, um, and fits very squarely within our goals to bring companies that are interested in sustainable technologies and addressing climate change to Alameda Point. We have done a number, we've brought a number of those kinds of companies, um, and, and we think that PICA does fit within that category. Does the lease in any way restrict how much of their business can be crop dusting? Um, what we have, what we have put into the lease is a provision that says, "Hey, look, this is essentially the the provision sort of works like this. We're expecting that you're going to be developing these other applications, like the plane at the top here. That that's a cargo plane. That's not a spray plane. That's a crop dusting plane. That's a cargo plane. You can see the guy putting cargo into the noise into the nose of that airplane." Um, that's for delivering cargo to remote locations in mountainous places that are difficult to fly into and dangerous. Those are the kinds of applications that we want you to be focusing on in the future and then beyond that um, so that we really are supporting a company that is looking beyond crop dusting. And so the provision that is in the lease is that um, no, by the sixth fifth and sixth years, or excuse me, sixth maybe the sixth seventh. and seventh year, not more than 50% of your research and development spending shall be on agricultural purposes. If you're gonna come to us and ask for that extension. So at that, or if you're going to um, you know, exercise that extension. So if you're still focused, more than 50% of your research and development is on agricultural purposes at the end of uh, the sixth and seventh year, then that extension's not available. So and that was our way of trying to make it clear to PICA, we see what you're doing today, but we're expecting that you're gonna, your, your technology is gonna get beyond that in the future. Okay, why is it no more than 50% of revenue? Well, I'll, Reb, I'll, please. I was just going to start, and then we can you can ask the app, you can ask them as well. But what what we focus on is because a lot of these startup technolo technology companies really get a lot of their money from investors and not from revenue. So we wanted to make sure as they were they're in their research and development money, um, because I think commercial revenues is very different when you're talking about a, a tech startup. And that's where, you, that's where you really see where they're planning to go, what they're spending on, and I think it's hard to look at their revenues because they're going to be somewhat skewed and you're not going to be accounting for some of the investor dollars. Thank you. Council member, I just want to uh, just tag on what you said um, to Ms. Um, Ms. Ott. You said um, you can ask PICA 
we're doing this as public comment, but what I'm hoping is that by the questions we ask now, the PICA representatives will hear them, and I mean, I'm not telling you what to say, but you might want to respond. And Councilmember Harris-Spencer, um, you're asking some of my same questions, so you'll save me some time. Okay, back to you. Uh, thank you, Mayor. So, and also this picture has, right, it looks like they're testing maybe this cargo in, in this uh, plane. Yeah. What type of testing will be happening in Alameda? No testing, no flying of aircraft in Alameda. I mean, they'll be developing the technology, building, you know, there's the guys on computers, there's guys putting the planes together, but the planes will not be flying at Alameda Point or in Alameda. Okay, so a concern I had had um, is in regards to the number of containers and containers, I guess the the entire container and how big they are and where, where will they go and how will they obstruct our views. And uh, uh, so, so what I, I, when I think of a view corridor, I think more, uh, more of a view than just the street. Um, and when you go out there and you can look at um, Saildron, they've filled in their fencing. So can you describe, um, you know, how many containers they, they need um, and where they're gonna actually go and how that's going to obstruct our views. Sure, um, back to this slide on the right hand. So what you're looking at is Lexington, Saratoga, Seaplane Lagoon is sort of where it says city of Alameda, and then the rest of Alameda Point is to the north of this, of this slide. So um, when you talk about the view corridors and, and the outdoor storage, um, what we're really talking about is how much of the large open spaces between the, the hangars will be fenced, might, might be fenced off and used for storage of, out, of things outdoors, such as a container. And the container would be used, as I understand it, you know, uh, they build an aircraft like this that's shown in the picture. Now they need to send it to Dallas, Texas. They need to sort of partially dismantle it, put it into a container, put the container on a truck, truck drives it to Dallas, Texas. Um, so that is those blue zones on the, on the diagram, the pink is the footprint of the building, building 39. The blue zones are approximately 50 feet wide. Um, they run down the sides of the building, but they can only be 50 foot wide. Um, and then, um, and that is the limit to, of the space that can be fenced off. And what that does is it preserves that 75 foot so wide public right of way, which is shown here as either Lexington or the extension of Lexington or the extension of Saratoga as a view corridor. And as shown in this next slide, that, I mean, what you're seeing is that view corridor. These are those view corridors, sort of what's defined by the buildings on either side of those streets to the north. So um, what we tried to do, and those view corridors are defined in the specific plan. So what you're seeing here is the full width of the view corridor, which is essentially the right of way between the edge of that building on the right and the buildings on the left. That's a view corridor that our specific plan says, okay, maintain that view corridor all the way to the water because they're important for Alameda Point. Okay, so the picture with the Hornet, uh, where is the building 39? It is behind that tall building that's in the foreground of this picture. Okay, and where's West Tower? 
West Tower, you see where that van is parked right there on the left of the picture? It's right behind that van. Okay, so we don't have a picture that has the building 39 next to sail drone and then the... On this pre presentation, I, I think, this is looking from the seaplane lagoon back the other way, but doesn't really illustrate very well that view corridor. But actually, if you, if you look up this photograph to the north, you can see the, the way the buildings are all lined up. They're marching north up through Alameda Point. They are defining the view corridor, and it's essentially the full width of the public right-of-way. So they'll be able to come up right up against, right to the street, uh, and fill it in with uh, the um, slats so that we won't, right, right now we can see on each side of Right, the yeah, building. That zone is approximately 50 feet wide. Um, so that would be, that's part of the lease premise. It's part of the area that we're leasing to them. Um, they want to be able to use some of that area for, and, for secure storage. Okay, and what's the height of the containers? I believe it's around 11 feet. So um, we would have to be able to look over 11 feet when we're walking down the street to be able to continue to see uh, the Hornet other than um, in the street itself. Yeah, the view corridor is outside of the fenced area, not through the fenced area. Mayor, if I can, I just want to... Please, there, City Manager. I think what we're expecting is the standard 20-foot equivalent unit container, which is eight and a half feet high. And I just want to be clear, also, Section 2.3 of the lease does not allow them to stack those or to set them on um, kind of an elevated surface. So you're really looking at containers that are about eight and a half feet. Thank you. I have a few questions. Um, thank you, Mr. Thomas. And I um, had the opportunity, it's probably been a year or more ago, to visit PICA at their location in West Oakland and see what they're doing and, and meet some of these very innovative folks who work there. It was my understanding at the time and for com from conversations um, that the technology that they're working toward is this autonomous delivery of cargo to difficult to access locations. I did understand that they were um, at the time, and I believe still, uh, doing crop dusting in um, overseas um, in, I think, uh, Costa Rica and um, Brazil and um, what's the other one? Um, Honduras. Is it Honduras? Honduras, yes. And so, so I understood that. And then recently, and we have gotten a lot of correspondence, so I did a little Googling myself, and I read an article from uh, a site called Future Farming, and I think this was on the 14th of August, and it talks about how PICA has gotten approval to operate its autonomous crop spraying aircraft in the United States. That's approval from the, um, the Federal Aviation Administration. The article talks about how um, the U.S. is the largest aerial spraying market in the world with um, $800 million in annual sales, and um, that this startup sees plenty of opportunities with crops such as leafy greens and vegetables that need to be well presented on supermarket shelves. These these crops are often are sprayed up to 15 times a year. So um, my question and my concern is if 
is Pika really moving toward this other technology? And I do understand being a startup, you don't know. You, you know, you give it your best shot, you hope. Um, there's, there's things you need to do, you need your investors. But um, I think it'd be hard to walk away from um, having, now having this FAA approval, because that's, that's you know, a, big, a big change, uh, maybe a game changer. So when I look at the lease and I'm looking at um, section 3.3, which is the option to renew, and, and you had it up on the board, well, not the lease, but the terms, so um, it's an eight-year term with a three-year renewal, and at the end of um, the, there needs to be an independent accountancy firm certifying with reasonable detail that the tenant's total aggregate research and development spent on agriculture applications during year six and seven um, has not exceeded 50% of the tenant's research and development budget. If this is a company that is moving toward this new technology, then why would the R&D budget be as high as 50%? And I will echo what my colleague, um, Councilmember Herrera Spencer raised. I would also be interested in knowing what their revenue is for um, from the agricultural spraying uses because I would think that that would diminish in time and that the, the revenue, both the R&D budget and the revenue budget for the, um, for the autonomous cargo delivery um, would, would increase and, and the, the spraying component would decrease. I also would like to know, I know that um, PICA leases and sells their aircraft. I'd like to understand, is, is it the same aircraft and it can just be outfitted to have um, you know, to carry a payload or carry the components, components for spraying. And of course, once you lease or sell, unless you have some agreements specifying, you really don't know what the folks who lease or buy your aircraft are going to use it for. And people might think that, oh, we're really getting into the weeds. This is, they're not doing any of this in Alameda. They're just doing their R&D and their, their manufacture. And, um, but we are concerned with the environment. We're an island. We talk a lot about that, and that includes the quality of the air, um, pesticides um, going into the air. I don't, you know, there, I, I need a lot more information than I came into this um, holding. So anyway, those, I don't think you, well, what I would like to know is, is it possible to do some amendments to this term that might satisfy at least my concerns about um, the nature of the business going forward. Oh, I, there's certainly opportunities to discuss it. I think you've asked a number of great questions that I'm probably not the right person to answer, um, <laughs> but I'm sure our friends at FICA have been listening, and um, when the time is right, would be happy to address some of those thoughts and answer some of those questions. Okay, other council uh, clarifying questions before we go to our public speakers. Councilmember Jensen, you look ready to. Well, form my the questions thought. are more uh, on the policy and the substance. I don't. Uh, I understand well, we, what the okay what the the proposal is. So um, I'll have some questions similar, maybe to um, what's been asked by by my colleagues. But um, I'll wait till after public comment. Okay, fair enough. Vice Mayor. Yes, thank you. Uh, my, my questions are a little bit, bit more narrowly tailored. Um, so in the staff report. Um, in one of the last 
paragraphs, the staff report indicates the proposed uses for the building are consistent with the zoning, general plan policies for Alameda Point and adaptive reuse subdistrict. Um, can, and others, can you kind of, since it didn't really go into details, can you just offer absolutely. a few bit more language? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. This is, um, we, have, we have zoning um, regulations for obviously all of city of Alameda and Alameda Point as well. This, this use, manufacturing and research and development is a permitted use. It is absolutely consistent with all of our general plan and zoning policies um, for this property. This is, this is a use that if um, it were proposed, you know, came in over the counter at Harbor Bay Business Park or the Marina Village Business Park, this business license would be approved without hearing. This is squarely for business parks in Alameda, the, the research and development of these kinds of technologies, the, the design of new aircraft is, uh, you know, if PICA were trying to get a business license at the Harbor Bay Business Park or the Marina Village Business Park, it'd be approved over the counter. And just to follow up on, um, there's also the Climate Action Resiliency Plan. I believe there's elements of that regarding you know, encouraging electrification. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, reducing greenhouse gases. I mean, that's why we, that's from staff's perspective, we thought this was such an interesting company to bring to Alameda. They're trying to electrify the, or electrify a portion of the aircraft industry, one of the biggest greenhouse gas emitters, you know, uh, in the, you know, in the country, around the world. Um, greenhouse gas emissions from, from, from uh, the aircraft industry are huge. Um, you know, elect they're doing that through electrification of these of, of this technology. So for us, that it seemed like right down our alley in terms of what we're trying to do with, you know, and then our economic development strategy is also, um, you know, targets these kinds of businesses. Now the recent emails that I'm seeing and that um, attachment letters are referencing um, the dangers of pesticide use. Um, so, but we, is it correct to say we don't necessarily have a policy regarding, you know, encouraging organic type of, uh, or do we? I mean, I, I, I mean, we have, we have some, you know, general plan policies about Community gardens, and but we haven't, as a community, as, as that I can remember, we just haven't really mm -hmm. had much of a discussion. We're not a farming community, mm -hmm. so we don't have a lot of agriculture here in Alameda. So I can't think of, off the top of my head, I can't think of any general okay. plan policies about that. I mean, obviously, we want to, as the mayor said, we want to support, you know, right. global health and gotcha. the global environment as well. I'm sure we could find some policies around that. Okay. Um, Thank you. Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I also want to, so in regards to the containers, and I just heard the dimensions, um, how many containers, what would be the maximum number of containers that would be at this location at any time over the time of the lease? The current lease doesn't specify a maximum number, if I recall correctly, and I'll double check that. What we tried to do is we tried to focus on the area that could be used 
um, in terms of, you know, for storage of anything, a container or anything else. We were very clear you can't stack containers in that area. Um, I don't know that even PICA knows at the end of the day how many they will really need. Um, it depends on how many aircraft they build and how many they need to be transported out. Um, I think the, um, you know, that's, they have said in the past they would like the ability to do up to 30 containers. Um, whether they ultimately will need to do that or not, I think is uh, yet to be seen. Could 30 containers fit in this area? Yes. On both sides uh, if then? If you count both so sides. So it would be like 15 on each side? Them all in, yeah. And then. Um, as, you, as you know, these buildings are huge. It's a very big space. So if it's 15 containers on each side at any time, then th that suggests to me that there's other containers that are coming and containers that are going the as part of the operation. My understanding, and we can get clarification from PICA tonight, but my understanding, the, the containers are always coming and going. It's not to, it's not to have permanent containers. It's, they need containers to move product off and on to the site. So the idea is the containers are constantly moving. And so, if I, oh, ahead, I just want to be clear that in section 2.3 of the lease, it's in fact, it's prohibited for them to have permanent storage of containers. So there's only, what's only allowed is temporary storage. So like the movement of goods on and off the site. I just want to be clear that our lease prohibits that permanent storage of containers. So what is the definition of permanent? So there's a provision in 2.3, um, it says all shipping containers must be screened, they may not be stacked, and then all shipping must be located within the, this particular area. Um, I think, I'm trying to think, I don't see in here the exact definition. Well, so just, but, but that's something, I, I mean, if that's a direction of the council, we can we could figure that out. Um, but, it, but the idea is that they're coming and going and there is no permanent storage. So if we wanna flesh that out a little, we're happy to do that. Yep. So my, my question though is if, if they have 30 containers there but one just left and another one comes and is now in that spot, when I'm walking down the street to me it still looks like 30 containers. Um, uh, and that's what I'm trying to figure Visually, out. So is it the spots right. that, like do we, you cannot keep a, a container in that location like more than whatever it is? Because the visually, right, the, the eight feet, I believe that's what you said. Eight and a half feet. You know, I'm trying to visualize what this is, but also if we're talking 30 containers there, are we really talking 60 containers for the operation? And in regards to being green, how frequently are these containers uh, being trucked um, within our city? Sorry. I, I Mike is more than happy to also yeah, answer sure. some of okay. these questions. I think they're 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 going to okay. be. I think we're getting to, to the point of calling our public speakers <laughs> that I understand include Pika. Another question, Councilor Harris. Yeah, so I'm many, concerned whatever. about the greenhouse gas emissions in regards to the trucking. If are we really uh, <clears throat> welcoming a trucking company? Yeah, no, I, I understand your question. I, I think Pika might be able to answer kind of their projection of how often trucks are coming and going, or at least to the best of their knowledge. Okay, any further council clarifying questions? Okay, Madam Clerk, I am going to call on you to organize the public speakers and okay. we look forward to hearing Okay, them. I'll call the first three. Um, Jack Lane, 
Michael Narika, and Nathan Silverman. Jack is up first. You know what you all can do? You can, um, you want to um, hand them the speakers up. So you put them in the order you would like to be called on and hand them back to our amazing clerk. We are here to serve. You go ahead and put them in whatever order. Okay. That was easy? Okay. All right. So welcome. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, good evening, Mayor Ashraf, uh, Vice Mayor Desog, and the rest you know, of us. Um, I'm going to ask the audience to listen up. And um, everyone who speaks, you're all different heights. Make that microphone work for you. Bring it up to your height or lean in a little so we can hear you. So Thank you. Please, take it away. Yep, good evening, and appreciate your time uh, on the subject tonight. Um, I'm Chuma. I'm COO at PICA, one of the co-founders at the company. Um, really, I wanted to speak to why we started the company. Um, PICA... Um, our thesis behind starting the company is that it's just so important that we electrify our transportation system. And that includes aviation, regional aviation. Um, the way we're tackling this is through electric aircraft. Um, we build, we design, build, and manufacture autonomous electric airplanes um, in, in Oakland today. Uh, we make two products right now, one for agriculture, um, as we've discussed, and one for cargo. Um, we're focused on bringing advanced automation zero emission transportation to these sectors. Um, but this is just a starting point, as, as we've discussed. Agriculture is a stepping stone for us. It's a very important, it's a very large source of greenhouse gas emissions, actually. Um, and a big, um, it's a big contributor to climate change. Uh, we absolutely plan to go into other markets, cargo being one of them, which we've already started. Um, uh, firefighting is another one that we're looking at. Mosquito abatement is another one that we're looking at, and eventually passenger transportation. Everything that we're building, every technology we're building as a company is built toward bringing these, these technologies to market. To talk a little bit about precision agriculture, um, the reason that this market, and we, it's a very, the topics that have been brought up tonight are very important and we appreciate them. We've thought about them a lot as a company. We thought about them at length before we decided to go into that market and build technology for those markets. As has been mentioned, we build technology products. We don't actually, we don't work with pesticides. We don't operate our aircraft. Um, so I'm going to stop you because one thing we might not have made clear, when we have more than six public speakers, rather than three minutes a piece, they get two minutes a piece. However, that could be overridden by a council vote. I'd need four affirmative votes. But it's, I'm just thinking here, council, which doesn't mean for the minions out there or <laughs> out there that you all have to take the three minutes. But perhaps we might want to consider increasing speaker time to three minutes um, on this. It's going to take a little more time because we've got more than six speakers. But it just seems like this might be a topic that lends itself to um, to that. I will just throw that out there because I'm only one vote of four. But um, Councilor Jensen, you look like uh, you uh, have a thought. Thank you for, for bringing that up, um, Madam Mayor. I I think that I'm hearing from the company leadership and having some questions answered because I know that things have come up that, that uh, Mr. Thomas couldn't answer or didn't have all of the information. So I would, You're I that would motion. move to expand at least 
Um, the leadership, the company leadership, um, of course, too. Okay, we have to, uh, what we do for one, we do for all. Um, city Attorney Shen, City Clerk um, Weisinger, do you want to help us out what, what we can do? Can we give everyone three minutes? Yes. But we don't, um, okay. Anything you want to add, Mr. Shen? No, no, I mean, I think the council has wide latitude and how many more minutes you wish to add? Councilmember Bell, your thoughts? Oh, I have one more thing, sorry. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Bell, with regard to the um, public hearing, though, are we it, technically and, and effectively when people are um, speaking on issues, the council doesn't ask questions. So right. it, to the, the point here, um, are we not going to be able to ask questions of the You are not. These are public speakers. It's why I made the point earlier, and I probably wasn't clear enough, that because these are not city staff and they're not presenting, we don't do our clarifying questions. We did that, them for Mr. Thomas, but I knew that these um, folks are all listening in the audience, probably taking notes, or maybe their memories are better than mine. They don't need to take notes. So that's how our questions will be answered. But there will still be time for discussion among ourselves afterwards. But um, it, and does that answer your question, Councilmember? Okay, Councilmember Vela. Can, can we? I know that we've opened it for public uh, comment, um, but we do often have folks who are making an application or things like that. Actually, a lot we we have in the past brought them in for Q and A and and up for Q and A. Is it possible that we either kind of with limited time direct your questions to these folks? This is our parliamentarian, this, uh, our city attorney. I, I would rather do that than kind of add time to public comment. I would rather give you know, eight minutes or 10 minutes for, for Q&A for one speaker or something like that. So as oh, happened with- uh, Can I, sorry to interrupt you, but I, it might even be just um, picking up on what Councilmember Vela said. Maybe there's um, a few of you that might want to be up at the lectern at the same time and just um, go back and forth for, let's just see, say 10 minutes. Um, and you can allocate your time sharing the microphone any way you want. Is sure, that these are these are all viable options. The council can definitely vote to do any of that. Um, as with Mr. Murphy in the earlier item, council can ask questions directly of them during it, this during the public comment time. Of course, you want to you know have a same amount of time and call them all you know equally. But if you wanted to specifically have council ask questions of a particular person, or you could designate a few of them to get ten minutes like collectively. There's all with, of those are possible options to vote on. And with 2020 hindsight, I realized maybe I should have done what, I'll get to you, council member, um, I see you. Um, I should have done what Mr. Ty did and had Mr. Murphy there on tap to answer those questions, but you know, I <laughs> wasn't thinking so fast. Okay, so, okay, let's not spend too much time on this, but yes, council member, your, your ideas? I'd just like to know how many speakers slips we have, including you know anyone that's remote. Yes, yeah, so we have in. Uh, eleven in person, and so far just two remote. And of those eleven in person, um, Madam Clerk, how many are PICA folks? All of them, All of them are PICA. So, um, and I mean, <laughs> we we can do this a lot of different ways. Um, what? Um, let me ask you. What do you think would be most um, uh, most helpful for you to tell the story and answer some of the questions that I assume you heard and want to address. I really like the idea to have multiple people come up and to share our time. Okay, well, I'm gonna go out on a really wild limb and say 11 people, 
divided by, you know, 10 minutes divided by 11 people. So we say 15 minutes and we'll just let whomever you want to designate come up and be answering the question. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, well, I'm looking at the clerk. Okay, would well, that work? So I, I'm not sure the if 11, all of them oh. would want to be participating in that and the others would still want their two minutes to comment. That's what I would hmm. be confused about from PICA, what they're... Okay, um, we'll use up our 15 minutes this way, but no, I know, um, no, no, it's fine. It's good. It's all good. Um, that's why we take a break, so we come back fresh. Um, so um, if we gave you a chunk of time for the kind of... Um, executive presentation, how many of your folks do you think you would want here as compared to the, the ones who want to be up there individually? Uh, just two. So you and another person? Sorry, three total. You and two others, so three. Yes. So maybe that sounds like 10 minutes. And then the others, we will, we will give them three minutes? Or what do you think? Uh, the others, you could stick with two. Them, two. And still two. OK. Yeah. All right. OK. That sounds good. Um, we'll still need a motion, Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor Mike. So, what about the two that are zooming in? Are they part of PICA also? No, they're individuals. So we have two members no, of the public. There'll be, there'll be two minutes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, count, and let me just check with staff. Does that sound? Doesn't give you heartburn? <laughs> I think it Too is much? fine, but the, I think the okay. council should take a vote. On oh, this we're new going approach. to. We're going to. I'm just trying to clarify what it is we're voting on. <laughs> yes. Uh, Councilor Jensen. Certainly, I'll, I'll continue to support um, support this. The change, but I would also going to um, suggest that the two people who aren't affiliated with PICA, the two public speakers, be able to speak before the PICA presentation. No, um, I no. Thank you. They're 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 in the queue, um, and um, so Councilmember Vella. Yeah, I'd like to make a motion for a presentation where we could do Q and A uh, with the applicant um, to not exceed. 15 minutes and 10, it's okay, just 10 minutes with whoever they want to be up here to, to answer questions, but I would want it to allow for council questions. And then I think moving into uh, public comment with two minutes per speaker, as we usually do. Okay, um, Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. I, I'd like to confirm in regards to this comment that they were in the queue, that were all of the people from Zoom after did they raise their hand or whatever? I'm not quite sure how this works because if they're not here, do they automatically go to the end then? Okay. Because they couldn't turn in their slip earlier, right? You don't you don't allow that. Raise their hand during it. That that's correct. They raised their hand when the item was called, but they've both all lowered and raised their hands multiple times. That's been after. So what my thought was, and I'm, I mean everyone's going to get their time to speak sooner, <laughs> hopefully, um, but. I thought the continuity of having hearing from all the PICA folks might be helpful to council and hopefully to anyone else who's listening. So that's why I suggested that. Okay. Um, I don't know. Do we think the 10 minutes is enough or do you want to amend that to 15? I don't want to shortchange this. I, I would rather just do one motion and just have it be up to 10 minutes and then, or up to 15 minutes, okay. sorry. And that all way right. if they need extra time, they don't have to use the whole time. Okay. And then the other. The two minutes is just following the order that we would normally do it. All right. We have that motion to you want two other colleagues to come up with you. We'll give you 15 minutes to answer questions, answer things you heard, hear questions from us. Um, we paused your time while you're um, while we're speaking, and and then the other speakers would follow with two two minutes apiece. I have a motion. Do I have a second? 
I need a second from the vice mayor. Okay, all those in favor of um, uh, uh, proceeding as outlined in this motion, signify by stating aye. 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 No. Okay, um, that's four ayes. Um, we know the motion passes. So, um, Madam Clerk, you'll set that clock. Yes. All right. Okay, and you go ahead and call up whomever you wanted to come with you. Did they know this? <laughs> Thank you. Should we start now? Welcome back. Yes, yes please. Um, so just continuing um, on precision agriculture, um, the reason we built a product for this market, it was with a lot of thought. Um, producers came to us and told us that they need a tool, a precision tool, to reduce the amount of inputs they use for their products and to make it cheaper. Um, these are really important. Making it cheaper is so key to allowing them to use more organics versus synthetics. Organics are cost prohibitive for a lot, of, a lot of producers around the country and around the world. And unfortunately, organics, while effective, they need to be sprayed more frequently, which makes it even more prohibitive. Um, so electric aviation, electric aircraft that are much cheaper to operate and that, are op and that are autonomous, allow producers to use organics more frequently than they could synthetics and more cost effectively. Um, there's also other massive benefits to what we're doing on the precision side. Um, we can use up to 15% fewer chemicals per application because what we're doing is highly automated and in a computer is doing this. Uh, a 75% plus reduction in greenhouse gas emissions versus traditional air aircraft and increased safety. Ag aviation is the most dangerous thing that is, that is a, the most dangerous part of our aviation industry. 13, there are 13 deaths in the aerial application industry per year in the US. And that's a large reason why the FAA said this is a benefit to the public to allow PICA to do this. This is very important for our, for our industry. Um, but I just, I wanna say it's just so important for our society that, and for our planet that we develop technologies that can address climate change, address emissions, um, we've, the three of us have spent the better part of a decade working on this mission, um, trying to bring this technology to market. And um, I think it's really important that we support technologies that do this, and, don't, and we can't write off technologies that don't, don't offer the perfect solution. Um, we're all collectively very on board with a solution that allows us to grow crops and the food we need without any chemical. Like that would be, a, that would be amazing to us. We love that idea. Um, right now, we're focused on what we can do with our technology to massively reduce the amount that are used for producing our crops with today's cutting-edge technology. Um, with all that said, agriculture, I, I meant, and what I said is it's just one of our product lines. Cargo is already on the market. We're developing our technology for a bunch of other markets, and um, we're excited and committed to doing this. So let me ask a couple questions in there. Um, agriculture is just one of your products. What percentage of your products, of your time, your revenue, are you spending on that one? One of three lines, three product lines, is that what you would say? One of two. One um, of we two, do. so the cargo and the, okay. Yeah. Okay, because you're not, the others are aspirational that you mentioned later, Correct. firefighting, mosquito abatement, passenger use, but so um, break it down for me. Percentages? Yeah, I'd say we're very early in revenue. So the cargo market, um, we, we launched that product last year. We were at pre-sales with that product. Product We're hoping to sell our first one by the end of this year, lease them actually. And then on the agriculture side of things, it's, it's de minimis revenue. We're essentially starting and doing commercial launches with launch customers right now in Latin America. 
in terms of R&D spending right now, I'd say it's about 50-50. You've been doing spraying in Latin America, haven't you? We have, and we've been leasing trial aircraft to customers in Latin America. Okay, so for how long? For about two years now, yep. Okay, so, um, so as far as the percentage, you said de minimis on the cargo side? So we, uh, we do trials, which basically aren't full price revenue. It's not a full price lease for us right now. So it's, I, I won't, I'm not comfortable sharing our revenue figures publicly, but. I wasn't asking you to, I was asking about percentage. Yeah, percentage wise, only agriculture right now. But I'd say that's not representative of our business because we're in trial mode, transitioning to commercial operation right now. How long do you anticipate being in trial mode? Um, hopefully done with trial mode by the middle of next year for the agriculture product. That's our goal. Um, so hopefully done with trial mode on agriculture. What about the cargo? So we uh, are hoping to launch paid trials by the end of this year with cargo aircraft. And I can't say when that's going to transition to full approvals from both, you know, the FAA, other global agencies, and from our customers. I can't say right now. So, to you heard my earlier reference to the um, the lease extension requiring that by years I want to say six and seven, your R and D budget on agricultural spraying is no more than fifty percent. Do you think it could be less than that realistically? I'd have to look at it. Uh, I can't say right now on the on the dais. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Um, uh, okay. That's all for me. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah, Councilmember Jensen. Thank you. Um, I, so uh, I wanted to um, confirm. Do you know what the the primary insecticide that your clients in um, Central America use is? It. The primary. The man comes up. Go ahead and come up to the microphone. If you would introduce yourself, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Nathan. I'm one of the four co-founders of FICA, and I lead operations. Um, yes, it is Mancazep. Say and it again. The chemical. Just, I didn't get the name. It's called Mancazep. Mancazep. And what is that? It's an insecticide. I'd like um, to hear from him. Thank you. Sorry for talking over you, but Mancazep. It's a fungicide. So. Okay. All right. And is um, that fungicide banned in the United States? Um, not that I'm, I, I don't know. It is primarily used for bananas, to my knowledge, right. um, which are not mostly grown in the United States. Yeah, I, um, in my just bit quick research, it doesn't appear to be banned in the United States. There are some guidelines from the, um, from the, the um, Food and Drug Administration and others on how much exposure, but um, so I, 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 I wanted to use that because I, from your um, from your literature and your your website, it you point out that your aircraft can fly at night, which is safer for um, for exposure, reduces exposure. So can you expand on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest risks with 
aerial application is pesticide drift, um, which is primarily a function of weather. So at night, it's in these places, it's much cooler and less wind. And so spraying at night means that the chemical gets where you want it on the plant rather than drifting off into other places. And would you say that there's less likely to be workers exposure, people in the field at night? Um, I think the, the growers are actually very careful about keeping the field clear when they're spraying, even if they do during the day. Um, it, there may be mistakes from time to time, um, but I think it's definitely safer for other people in the area. Thank you. I um, Oh, so I had some questions about actually about your lease and about um, where you are in Oakland right now and um, where in Oakland is your is your operations and why are you leaving and is this um, going to be substantially increased in rent for you moving to Alameda? Yeah, um, so we're located in West Oakland right now. Um, the reason we're looking for expanded space is because we're growing as a company. We're really we're bursting at the seams in our current location. So this is a lot larger space for you. Yes, it's perfect for our growth. Um, let's see. I, I appreciate your the information about um, the aircraft itself and about the agricultural application and the the dangers dangerous of um, crop dusting and agricultural um, aircraft operations. So. Um, yeah, I, I, my last question then, I should have probably asked this before I asked about your lease, but can um, piloted aircraft, I, I know that, again, that you say that your aircraft is um, able to fly at, at night, and so in the crop dusting application especially, can piloted or do piloted aircraft tend to fly at night, or are those more daytime operations, or is there a difference? They are primarily daytime operations, I would say over 90%. Um, due to the safety hazard of flying at night low to the ground. Thank you. And just in closing, I'm going to point out um, and congratulate you on the $7 million um, tax credit that you got from the California State Office of the, um, what is it, Economic Development Businesses? Yeah. So that demonstrates certainly your um, business model and the state support for your operations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so the other gentleman at the at the um, uh, lectern, did, did you want to present in whatever order? Uh, yeah, I would love to. Um, first, thanks for having us. I'm Michael March. I'm the CEO of PICA. Um, just a sort of random smattering of things here. So uh, first one, I've been obsessed with aircraft since I was a little kid. Probably a lot of you have heard this story. Um, grew up building very small airplanes. They slowly got bigger and bigger. Um, I started working on air taxis after I graduated from school, so vertical takeoff and landing air taxis. Um, incredibly inspired by that vision of making autonomous electric aircraft that hopefully all of us could you know, traverse the West Coast in someday. What was very, very clear through working at those companies was that they weren't going to actually commercialize the technology for probably two or three decades, despite what you know, they said publicly. Um, and very, very few successful companies are built that way with zero revenue and a new innovative technology for two to three decades. Um, and so that's why we started PICA. We wanted to take a really different approach. We wanted to figure out, you know, what is a use case that actually benefits society right now? And, and I do very strongly believe that making crop spraying less impactful for the communities that surround agriculture is a benefit to society. Um, and then how can we grow that? How can we make money? How can we sell aircraft? Um, 
expand into the cargo market um, so that, you know, hopefully someday, maybe 10 years from now, 15 years from now, we will produce aircraft that we can all fly around in. Um, and there's really very few companies that are successfully executing on this mission. We are by far the furthest along in commercializing this technology of any other you know, company in our sort of similar cohort. Um, so that's first thing. Um, second thing, Chuma brought up, you know, uh, like organic spraying. Um, so our first customer in New Zealand, actually, a very, very successful farmer on the South Island of New Zealand, um, purely conventional. He, uh, you know, doesn't feel like conventional agriculture is the future. He doesn't want his kids to farm that way. He wants to move to organic. Um, so one of the things that he wants to use is fish oil, for example, to replace an insecticide that he uses very, very commonly. Unfortunately, fish oil needs to be applied every week, whereas the conventional products need to be applied every month, roughly. Um, a, he couldn't actually get an aerial application service to come to his farm at that frequency. And B, if he did, he would be losing money on the crop that he's trying to grow. So the reason he actually reached out to us is that he had, was looking for a much less expensive way to apply fish oil onto his farm. Um, so, you know, we aren't working with him today, but I very much want to get back to working with him. Um, and success in bananas is one way to get us there. Um, another thing, so in terms of, you know, split focus of agriculture versus cargo, um, things do change at startups very quickly. And the cargo product is actually gaining steam at a much more uh, rapid clip than we expected. Um, so Chuma and Elizabeth, who's here, our manufacturing lead, um, and I were sort of scrumming today just talking about our production schedule. Um, in the next six months, we are going to build three spray planes and three cargo airplanes. And then next year, this is not really information I'm, I should be disclosing, but it's, it's uh, roughly a dozen cargo aircraft and slightly less than a dozen spray planes. Um, so we're already like fully committed to our cargo product. Um, it's, could, it's, could you go back to the second set of numbers? This year you're building three cargo uh, planes and three spray plane, planes, and then next year what? Uh, roughly a dozen cargo aircraft and slightly less than a dozen spray planes. Okay. So this is this is 100% happening. Like procurement of hardware for these different aircraft is is already in works. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's turned out to be a more exciting product than we realized the cargo aircraft, um, and we're really just at the infancy of it. Like we had first flight of that vehicle um, in in December of of last year. So what is that? Ten months ago. Okay. Um, any questions thus far? Okay. And Nathan, right? Did you want to um, add to uh, the presentation? Um, yeah. Thank you. I'll just add a little bit. Um, and did you tell us what's your role at the company? Yeah, I'm the operations lead at the company. Um, so yeah, I'm incredibly proud of FICA for a bunch of reasons. I think we've developed really incredible technology. Um, but most of all, it's definitely of the team we've created. Um, I think we have a really inclusive and welcoming company culture. Um, and just like so grateful to work with all the people that are here and many more who are not here today. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about the topic of pesticide application. Um, it's something that I've done a lot of research on, thought a ton about, especially in the really early days of PICA when we were approached um, about entering that industry. Um, so really complex topic, a lot to talk about, um, but a few things that I, I think were pretty compelling to me. Um, one, as Chuma and Michael kind of both alluded to, uh, it's just very hard to get away from pesticide application entirely in the agriculture industry. Um, 
there is organic produce, but it is also sprayed just with organic pesticides. Um, so I think our, our aircraft is incredibly useful for that as well. Um, and then I think there's just a common conception that farmers uh, spray chemicals really haphazardly without concern for the environment. Um, and having spent a bunch of time in the various places we've deployed our planes, um, that just has not been my experience. Um, in the conversations we've had like with the farmer in New Zealand, but also others, um, people just really care about the land that they're taking care of. Um, they want to do, it, from what I've seen, they, they really want to make it uh, keep producing well, like decades into the future. Um, so I won't go on and on too much, um, but want to make it clear that the environmental impact of what we're working on is very important to us. Um, it's the reason many of us joined PICA in the first place. Um, and so we are looking ahead to reducing greenhouse gases in other industries, um, but we also just really care about supporting agriculture in a responsible way. Um, and I think there are a lot of things we can do to make it better. And there's been a couple of references to this farmer in New Zealand who wanted to use um, fish oil because uh, it's organic and less dangerous to his children and the environment. And why didn't you work with him? Uh, we actually did. He was our first customer. We worked with him for a while. Um, we ended up closing down operations in New Zealand. Um, it was sort of a combination of business factors, but a big part was that the regulatory agency um, kind of changed the rules on us regarding our new aircraft, to make a long story short. The New Zealand regulatory agency? Yeah, that's right. All right, thanks. Okay, um, all for you? Okay, oh, Councilmember Harris Spencer. Yeah, um, I didn't hear any responses in regards to my concerns of the containers, how many they're gonna be, where are they gonna be, how quickly are they gonna be moving, uh, how are they gonna get trucked, right, all of that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think the answer was correct that it's very hard for us to project that far in the future. I think um, we definitely wanna be a manufacturing business that has inbound and outbound of our products at scale. Um, to do that, we do need to use containers to do that. It's the most cost-effective way to do it. And we need lay-down spa lay space to put the containers so we can load them up for transport. So it sounds like they would, be, they would be stored there until you come up with something to put something in them and then move them. So the way, and this is the way I would imagine it working is we get delivered a container, we load it with a product, and then hopefully a few days later it ships out because we have to pay for containers if they're sitting around. We don't really want them sitting around at our warehouse. But in regards to how many containers you, you're gonna, so will you be producing at a point that you actually, you produce, you have your container come, it sits there until you're ready to fill it. Will it only be there two days? Will we be able to say, okay, you'll have a container there, it's two days, and then it's gone? I'd be happy to look at language that talks about that. I. Right now on the dais, I can't say, okay, it's a specific number of days that it's gonna be there. Okay, because I have talked with someone from your company, I believe on Friday about this, I've talked with staff about this, I actually raised this concern back when it came uh, to closed, and so I'm not really sure where the miscommunication has come from, but um, greenhouse gas emissions and looking at, con I, I actually have no, I don't like to look at containers, um, I get that we need them as quickly, but from my perspective, 
as quickly as possible. They come in and they'd be gone, and we would not have our view obstructed, and we wouldn't be looking at containers. And my concern is also in regards to how are they going to get from the point to the um, port. Has anyone looked at that? Maybe staff? Do any, is, can anyone help out on my questions? <laughs> Thanks. I just want to say, when I mean, the yeah, city has Andrew, designated please. truck routes in the city, and so those would have to be followed. Um, and so they, would, so they would have to follow truck routes, whether or not, I mean, it depends on, are they shipping them out through the port, or are they putting them on trucks? And so that would have to, based on the operations of their business, but they would have, to, in the city of Alameda, would have to follow the designated truck routes. Okay, but can someone be specific? Does that mean they're going down Buena Vista, they're going Park Street? Does anyone know? Mr. Thomas, are you in a position to answer that? I don't expect the biker folks. You've probably not memorized our truck, truck route yet. Um, Main Street and um, um, Atlantic, or Ralph Apizado to the Webster Posey Tubes. That's the basic truck route out of town from Alameda Point. They're not going to be going. So the containers will be going through the tubes? Tubes or the they'll Park They'll be coming Street in bridge. through the tube, and then they'll be leaving through the tube? Most likely, yes. Thank you. Vice Mayor Daysog. Yeah, on the topic of containers, the way that I've always framed the issue is, for me, is that there are certain um, tenants at Alameda Point who, in a desire to generate side income, side income, this isn't necessarily pri their primary thing, to generate side income, they lease out certain space to say Matson. So when it comes to containers, <coughs> is it correct to say that that's not side income for you? Rather, it's 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 containers that's addressing a core operation of your. Is, is that a correct? That's 100% correct. That's our core operation of getting our products. Okay, to so market. to me, that's the distinction: is that there are tenants out there who just get. Hey, Matson, you can rent out space. You know, put your tenant there. I mean, put your container there. But it's not related to the business. It's just, well, we got all this space, so we don't, we're going to generate side income. We don't intend to do that okay. with our that, space. That's what I need to know. Thank you. No side hustles. So you don't have any growth estimates in regards to, I mean, we're talking about an 11-year lease, maybe? Um, like in two years? I mean, you just you did tell us earlier you're going from 6 to 24. So if you're going to continue at that rate, right, is that what you're envisioning? You don't have any uh, growth estimates of like uh, in three years, four years, to, so you can figure out how many sure. containers you're going to sure. have? I can, and I can say what our, our hope is. It's to be able to produce, you know, uh, 200 to 300 aircraft a year in Alameda Point and get them to our customers. So if you say that's how many movements per year, that's that's probably our good long-term estimate for the space. And how many containers do you need to ship each plane? One. All right, so then we're talking 200 to 300 uh, containers Movements. per year, yeah. right, coming and going uh, through, the, through the tube. Uh, staff, do we have any other businesses that have up to 300 containers coming on and off of Alameda? I mean, not that I know off, off the top of my head, Andrew. The big commercial, like Target, generates a lot of containers. And, you know, just trucking. I mean, it's whether it's a container or a big, you know, eighteen wheel, eighteen wheel, like um, you know, semi truck. It's essentially the same thing. It's a eight foot tall, 
20 foot long container on a, on a, on a vehicle, which is delivering goods. Um, so yeah, Safeway, Target, um, you know, these companies all generate a lot of truck trips because that's how we get our goods. In, that, in those cases, the, the goods are coming in on the big trucks and then we're all going to those stores and buying the stuff. In this case, the containers will be going full out and coming in empty. Thank you. And just one quick thing. We have loaded a container in one day. So we've had a container arrive at our facility, shoved an airplane in it, and sent it off. Um, and just to reiterate Chuma's point, we don't own the container. They're effectively rented to us. Um, so we're like incentivized to get it in and get it out very, very quickly. Thank you. Okay. Oh, yes. OK, so if you can load it in one day, then why do we have to have them sitting here for days? Yep, I think we definitely don't want that. That's a huge expense to us. But there, it's very hard for us to say that it's going to be one day every time. And I don't think it would be prudent for us to do that as a business. I think I understood you to say that you don't have control over the schedule of the entity that comes to pick up your containers. So exactly you'd like right. them to move because time is money if they're just sitting there. Yes, thank okay. you. All right, so we've got some public speakers who are waiting to speak. Thank you, um, the three of you, thank you very much for um, taking the time to answer our questions. Okay, Madam Clerk, how are we gonna um, call in these next questions? Why don't you lay it out for us? Okay. Let's, so, uh, yeah, the next speakers, I should say. Okay, so let's call, the next four in person here are Jack Blaine, Hannah, Hannah Drosbeck, and then Eric Edwards and Simon Leach with Jack up first. And, and then we're going to go to two remote, and then we're going to go to yeah. the in person. So we're going to mix it up a little. Okay, so who was up first? Uh, Jack. Okay. Hi, council members. Um, thank you for having us. Um, my name's Jack. I'm a mechanical engineer at PICA, um, so I'm not necessarily qualified to answer all the big picture logistical questions uh, that you've been asking. Um, but I do want to make a couple of quick points. Um, before working at PICA, I worked as a mechanical engineer at a very large electric vertical takeoff and landing airplane company, uh, the type that has already been mentioned tonight, um, located in Santa Cruz. Um, and I'd just like to share two reasons with you that I'm very excited to be working at PICA. And I think these are also reasons why PICA would be a great fit um, in the Alameda Point business community. Um, the first, which is been alluded to already, um, is that unlike many other electric aviation startups, PICA is deeply pragmatic. Um, I think you heard that in the founders. This, uh, I think you heard that from the founders already. Um, PICA's long-term goal is to make planes for passenger transportation, but PICA recognizes that that is probably a decades-long journey. Um, other electric airplane companies have made uh, they've raised tremendous amounts of capital and they've made huge promises to deliver on very short timelines. Um, some of those companies are already folding and others are likely to have a very painful future uh, in the next few years. Um, so PICA really stood out to me uh, as someone working in the industry as a company that is deeply pragmatic and deeply humble um, while also being ambitious and that's been very refreshing for me. Um, and that's part of the reason I'm so proud to work at PICA. Um, I think it's also very telling that our founders are not willing to um, make promises that they're not comfortable keeping or make statements that they're not comfortable backing up uh, as they speak to you here tonight. The same cannot be said for many startup founders. Um, I'll also just add that 
the second reason uh, that I love working at Pika is that um, it's a wonderful community. My coworkers are kind, intelligent, hardworking, emotionally um, responsive people, and uh, I think you'll hear from them and <laughs> Thank decide you. for yourself. Thank you very much. Our next speaker, Hannah Drozdek. Welcome. Hi. Good evening, uh, council members, Madam Mayor. Um, I worked for PICA for three years. I'm, my name is Hannah. I'm the head of flight testing. Um, I joined because I wanted to have an impact on electrification of aviation. Um, I spent my entire career up on, up on, un, until then uh, working in clean tech. I started in solar en energy. Um, and I'm very, very glad to be able to um, keep, like, to be a part of technologies that keep on reducing our carbon footprint. Um, in addition, and Nathan already talked about this, I was also very motivated uh, by to use such technologies to help um, modern, modernize and bring, bring cleaner processes to agriculture. Um, that was like a big draw for me into uh, PICA. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the culture of the company. Jack alluded to this, but I wanted to mention that I have found the at, at PICA the most inclusive uh, and mindful workplace that I've ever had the chance to be part of. Um, I found it especially impressive because it is very rare for a small startup in, te in tech. I know this from being a woman in tech for 10 years, um, and I, I've never seen um, a culture like this. It's very inclusive, very mindful, uh, very kind, uh, really have a focus on employee, employees' well-being, which is, again, extremely rare in Silicon Valley. Um, and I wanted to mention that this is, I think, hands down the best company I've worked for and probably that I will ever be part of. Um, Pika is also a really fun place to work at, mostly because of the people who work there. We have a true community and of kind people who care for each other and enjoy spending time together. A lot of us are into team sports as well. In fact, some of us have played at uh, soccer at Bladium in the past year. Um, a lot of us are also into the outdoors, into climbing, biking, sailing, kayaking. So. I do believe that we would feel at home and be able to contribute to the communities at Alameda Point. Thank, Thank you. you. Our next speaker. Eric Edwards. Welcome. Um, we'll do the next two in-person speakers, and we're going to stop and take a little housekeeping motion. But take it away. Hi. Hi uh, Madam Mayor, uh, Council Members, thanks for having me. Uh, Bring that microphone up to you. There thanks you go. Thanks for okay. having us uh, here, and uh, to plead our case for why we should move into this building. Um, I just want to make two points. One. Uh, freshman year uh, aerospace engineering program, uh, real simple, uh, well, maybe not simple, but like a uh, real basic problem that you derive is to find out what the maximum range of an electric aircraft would be with today's technology. And even back in 2011 or 10 when I was doing this, the answer came out to be around 1,000 kilometers. Now it would be closer to 1,200 or so. Um, so what that means is in 10, 20, 30 years, it's almost inevitable that when we take flights from here to Phoenix or here to Seattle um, or where else, basically anywhere in Nevada, um, anywhere in Oregon, from Oakland, it's almost inevitably, well, it's very likely going to be on an electric airplane. And uh, it's a very difficult thing to do to find problems in the interim where electric aviation is the solution. Um, I'd say that's the hardest thing that the whole industry is struggling with. We know what the holy grail is, but getting there is difficult. And PICA has found some problems that are like 
undoubtedly electric aviation is the solution. Um, there's no disadvantage to using an electric airplane to do crop dusting compared to what we already have. Uh, like the airplane needs to land every 30 minutes or 20 minutes to swap out chemicals anyways. So you just swap the battery at the same time and it has no impact on uh, anything. Um, it's just a, it's a great problem for electric aviation. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just very happy to be at PICA. Uh, we're working towards like the most important problem in aviation. So thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Simon Leach. Welcome, Mr. Leach. Speaker Leach. Hello, Council. Hey, my name is Simon. I'm a recent PICA employee, and I also live in Alameda. Uh, I'm also a millennial, and what comes with that is care for the environment. I know that's a concern for everyone, and it impacts no one more than us and future generations. So um, I came from the marine world. I worked on boats, uh, and that's something that Alameda and the city of Alameda clearly values highly, um, as per 7C or 7D was talking about a new marina. Um, boats have a largely detrimental impact on the environment, and I left that industry almost exclusively for that reason. I was searching out an environment that um, was taking into consideration our future and uh, making a positive impact on an industry, and I strongly feel PICA is taking leaps and bounds into impacting the aviation industry positively. So that's why I'm here. I'm really excited. Just want to reiterate that everyone else I work with is highly intelligent um, and I would say largely care about the environment as well. They're not, I, I know like with a lot of tech startups, a lot of people think we're in it for money. And I can say that uh, I have not gotten that impression from a single person I work with. Everyone seems incredibly genuine in their approach. And um, you know, I, I cycle out at Alameda Point all the time. I understand what you're talking about when you say you don't want to see containers out there. You want to maintain this beautiful open space we have. And I do too, I live here too. I care about the environment. I care about the future of Alameda. So there are people like that working at PICA as well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was our last in-person um, speaker for, for the moment. So what we have to do before 11 o'clock, um, we have to make a motion that needs to pass with four affirmative votes to go past 11 o'clock and what items we're still going to consider. So we have one more item after this. Um, it should not be a lengthy one, but there's item 7H. Um, we are not going to wrap um, the PICA item up before 11. So um, we can vote to go past 11 to just hear that one item. And um, and you're allowed to hear the other sections. You just have to vote on can, that because one it's, item. It's, right. it's one that right. requires a vote. So, um, but we can also, with regard to how long we go, we can state a time certain. Sure that the meeting will yes, end. Yes. So um, who would like to fashion a motion for us that accomplishes those things, hearing our next item and when the um, the meeting would end? Um, Vice Mayor, I mean, Council Member Vela, would you be interested in helping craft a motion? Yeah, I'll make a motion that we hear um, item 7H after, uh, after this item uh, and that we not go past midnight. Okay. So that's um, a motion. Do I have a second? Second. Councilmember Jensen seconds. All right. All those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 Was that five ayes, Madam Clerk? Okay. Great. We will. Um, okay. Now we will resume. We're going to do our remote speakers yes. and then back to our in-person speakers. Uh, the first is Shelby Sheehan. Welcome, Speaker Sheehan. 
Hi, thank you. Um, you can hear me, yes? We can. Okay, thank you. You know, um, I didn't know I would be so interested in this item when it came up, and I, I appreciate um, hearing from this company. I think it's they're perfectly suited for Alameda Point. You know, they need they need the space. They're a, an R and D technology innovative company. Um, they're going in the right direction with progressive values, I believe, and the environmental conscious. Um, area, I would actually love to see them maybe do some demonstrations out there and we would actually like to see them fly out there, but you know, that's just a personal thing, nothing to do with the lease. Um, I also um, understand their need to um, work with the pesticides and, and what they're actually doing is reducing the amount and helping the environment. And, and so I really en endorse that, um, progressing with that and increasing the safety and the health hazards of the people. We're potentially working in the fields. So um, I really, really, I love it. Um, I think that um, one thing I, a question I had was we do have the, we do have to require that it's consistent with the public trust exchange agreement, I believe out there. So, you know, being a, a public hearing, I'd like to get that question asked, uh, that question answered sometime, if not tonight, then in the future. Um, I'm not sure if the maximum fences are supposed to be four feet or if they can be bigger. I also know that the view, the building behind uh, the one that they are in is actually wider, so that might accomplish the uh, being out of the public uh, right away. Um, I would like to see some landscaping added there. And I do think that requiring them to have a certain amount of income in their um, income stream uh, to be controlled. I don't know if that's actually legal and I wouldn't recommend it anyway because they're gonna need all the capital and revenue stream they can get. And I think their, their purpose is going in the right direction. So I, I fully endorse this company and just you know would like to see the good lease uh, restrictions on it as needed for the point. Thank you, our Thank next you. speaker. Uh, Mark Goodiskin. Welcome, Speaker Goodiskin. Hey, can you hear me? We can. Very good. Hi, my name is Mark Goodickson. Um, I'm actually a managing partner at Piva Capital. Uh, we're a firm focused on investments in climate uh, technologies around the hardest to decarbonize uh, industries. I'm actually a board member and an investor in PICA and wanted to speak on their half. I just have three simple points I'd add to the mix. I think one, everybody really understands aviation is one of the hardest to decarbonize industries. This is our one and only investment that we've made in our fund around aviation. I think this is a, a quite interesting way uh, to play in the space. It's three and a half percent of global emissions. We really need to go and work at this. I think this is a great way to do so. Point two, and this is, an, I always like to use history as a bit of a guide. Um, it was an interesting bit of fact. If you look at the history of Delta Airlines, which you can look up on their public website, they started as a crop dusting company. And so this is one of those interesting things where you should go and look for places to have entry points, build up a business over time to get to a broader uh, opportunity. I don't think most people know that bit of history about Delta, but probably germane to today's conversation. It's a little bit of a guide as to how you can go ahead and build something pretty interesting, even if it starts from a strange uh, or a counterintuitive uh, starting point. Lastly, I'll make a little bit more of a personal note I grew up in the East Bay. I have lived the majority of my life in the East Bay. We invest in companies all over the United States uh, and in Europe as well. 
I'm really excited to see a company with this much technology and promise getting built up in the East Bay. That's really exciting. I'm really excited about all the space that's in Alameda. There are all these stories about manufacturing, leaving California. And here we are with this great opportunity to scale up this great company in the East Bay. So, you know, as an East Bay resident, I'm really excited about this. And, uh, you know, I would, we're really happy to continue this partnership with Alameda. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Um, next speaker, Madam Clerk. Todd Hickman. Welcome, Speaker Hickman. Yes, um, I think the process was seriously violated. What you voted on here did not transpire, independent of the merits of PICA. I fully support them, but this process was hijacked, and this is not what you voted on. If you wanted PICA to give a presentation, then you should have scheduled a presentation, and then I would have my three minutes instead of my two minutes. So you cheated me out of a minute by a violation, so I do not appreciate that. So let's get on to PICA, fabulous company. I fully support them. I agree with all of this. The only thing I'm concerned about is those shipping containers. Those are view corridors. What you're effectively doing is giving PICA a variance to the view ordinance in relation to this lease. So this is a backdoor way of giving them a variance. Um, Tony, it's worse that you have containers coming in and out because they say things like one high and other big um, writings and colorful letterings that look really poor. The people you're rallying against that are renting out the containers actually organize them in nice straight lines and they paint them. So this is the worst thing that could happen in a view corridor. So I support everything about PICA, all of it. Tony, I'm surprised that you're gonna get in um, and label yourself somebody that supports pesticides. I think that's disastrous at the state level. So I was hoping you were gonna be the crusader for shipping containers at Alameda Point, like you said you were several council meetings back. So these containers could go behind the building they could block the windows of the CEO's office and other executive offices. That would be a great place for these containers. Don't block my view. As a victim of view violations at my business on Alameda Point, I have a hundred foot swath of, um, well, junkyard-like visuals and containers and stuff like that. So we've been victimized and the value of our lease has been victimized. So please stop this. Thank you. Our next speaker, Carmen Reed. Welcome, Speaker Reed. Good evening again, Madam Mayor and City Council members. Um, I just wanted to comment uh, that I was very impressed with the with the speakers from uh, PICA. The founders um, seem very passionate about what they're what they're making, and um, uh, it sounds like they have a very strong and positive company culture and i think that that's very aligned with our values in alameda so i think that's great i also appreciate um that they mentioned support um for the community uh for science projects for kids uh to you know help them out i think that's really nice of them um also so my my questions are really directed more towards mr thomas uh, from the city and what i am concerned about is um as the city is developing Alameda Point. Um, it seems like a lot of the of the new roads are narrow, and they're like one lane in each direction. So I think that this is this is a good time to uh, to mention this, and that if 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 the main road that is to be used 
for this for this company would be uh, would be Main Street. Then um, I'm wondering how the city will handle that, and if if that road is, will uh, be one lane in each direction, two lanes in each direction. Um, but I think that's it's something that the city needs to think about, and also the fact that there are a lot of other very large buildings out there, right? All you know, the old hangars, other um, other other naval air station buildings, and so it's very likely that there could be other companies that also need shipping containers, right, to support their businesses. So as as the point is it being developed, I think that there's that that's something very important um, that the city needs to think about so that the streets need to be wider, right? We need to accommodate for these businesses. Thank you. And our next speaker. So we'll go to the foreign person. I'll call them so they can queue up. Uh, Matt Colburn Patterson, Nathan White, Elizabeth Goodine and Samuel Ingram with Matt up first. And if you heard your name uh, called, you might want to slide out to an aisle because uh, we've got two minutes and then you're up next. Welcome. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you, Council Members, for having us. Um, my name is Matt Colburn Patterson. I'm an operations manager at PICA. I've been with PICA for about a year now. I share many of the similar sentiments as my coworkers. As I looked for a new job, I looked for a job that would help to affect change in the future, not only in the future, but right now. Our electric aircraft are replacing uh, gasoline-flown aircraft today. We are flying in environments where we are um, replacing those flights on a daily basis, and it was really important that we had a tangible impact today to me when looking for this company. Um, I also love Alameda Point. I've been coming to Alameda Point on the weekends uh, for many years um, and love to ride the ferry from the city. And I'm excited to have the best commute at the company, riding the ferry back and forth to Alameda Point and enjoying my work on Alameda Point in the future. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker. Nathan White. Ah, uh, oh. that's Nathan. Okay. Oh, so there's another Nathan then, I think. Hold on, sorry. Do we have more Nathan than one Nathan? Then. Oh, okay. Nathan Na Silverman? Nathan too? <laughs> Sorry, I mixed up the Nathan. Okay, so then tell us who the next two are because we can save a little. But um, Goodine and Samuel Ingram. Okay, so Elizabeth and Samuel, just be ready to come on up so we don't have a gap time. Welcome. Hi, my name is Nathan Silverman. I'm a flight test software engineer for PICA and I've been here for a little over a year. So like everyone else you've heard from, I joined PICA because of the practical approach to aviation. I think that's one of our biggest strengths and it's what makes us so exciting. And apart from that, I've been really excited by all the people we, I have the chance to work with. Um, every day I come into work and people are willing to mentor me, help me, and then we'll go and we'll do stuff outside of work and we're just a really kind and inclusive community. I think that's one of PICA's biggest strengths and I think that's what's gonna help us um, be part of the Alameda community and be engaged. We've had soccer teams at Palladium, and we're excited to just kind of join Alameda and not just be a company here, but be part of the larger community. Thank you. Next up, Elizabeth. Elizabeth <laughs> Welcome. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Elizabeth Goodine. I lead manufacturing for PICA. I joined in 2020, just before the pandemic. 
Um, so we are currently building planes in West Oakland. You came to visit us there. I, um, I am a resident of Alameda. I love living here. Um, just before I joined, I recall one of the founders asking me how my first week was going to go, and I'm like, wow, it's going to be really great. The only thing that would make it better is if we were in Alameda. <laughs> um, probably not the right thing to say, but I did. Um, so fast forward a few years, we started looking at buildings on the point, the first of which is now home to Firebrand Bakery. Um, and before by PICA, I worked for Makani and Saildrone, both of which have identical footprints to Building 39. Um, and I recall our broker on that tour saying that the spaces on the base are industrial cathedrals, designed for building and maintaining air airplanes, and that really stuck with me. And I couldn't be more excited to bring electric airplane manufacturing to the point and rejoin the amazing tech community that has sprung up there. And I want to also address your concerns about c containers and the pesticides. I had to take a long pause before I took the job because I was also very concerned about pesticides in particular. I had to educate myself and talked a lot with the founders and I feel like echoing the sentiments of my coworkers, this is the most inclusive community of like wonderful bright individuals and probably the best job I've had and will ever have. So thank you so much for your attention and your support in this matter. Thank you. Next speaker. Samuel Ingram. Welcome. Thank you, Council. Um, Sam Ingram. I work on the manufacturing team at PICA. Um, and I'd like to share kind of my own personal experience of the base. Uh, I've been living on the West End for 10 years, and it was about 10 years ago that I started working down at the base. Um, and that was right when some of the remediation had started. A lot of the buildings were empty and um, falling apart. And it's just amazing to be down there now and see the amount of change that's happened. It's uh, really impressive. Um, in the break room, in the hangar that I was working at, there was a picture from the 1950s that had uh, the whole floor of the, of the hangar full of uh, planes that were in the middle of construction. And I remember at that time thinking how amazing it would be to be able to see that uh, with my own eyes, first person. And um, it just wouldn't have thought that 10 years later um, that opportunity might be here to continue the wonderful tradition of uh, aerospace at the base. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker? That was the last speaker. Okay. Um, with that, no more remotes, right? No. Okay. With that, we will close public comment on um, this item. And I want to thank all the speakers, in person, remote. Um, thank you. Uh, PICA team, you did an excellent job. Okay. Who's going to lead this off? Um, yeah, Councilmember Vella, we haven't heard too much from you, so please. I'm going to try to keep it. Uh, succinct and simple I you know I think we've spent a lot of time and our staff has spent a lot of time going back and forth trying to address different concerns um, frankly I think to a degree that we haven't with a number of other lessees out at, at any of our properties um, and you know at the end of the day I think I have a couple concerns one is can you pay the rent and it looks like you can which is great um, and the second is, are you going to be good stewards of, of the space? And, and I am convinced just based on the back and forth that you've been subjected to and the fact that you're all still here and it's 11 o'clock at night and um, this is like the bulk of your company, um, you know, that, that you, you plan on, on really investing in the space. And so I appreciate that. And, you know, look, 
containers, the, the issue with the containers is really, are you gonna be subleasing space to other people? Because frankly, from, from this council's perspective, I think from my perspective, we have been burned on that issue before where people have gone out and they've essentially rented out space in these sort of illegal sub, or, or sometimes they're perfectly permissible under a bad lease that we've we've agreed to in the past. So that's really my my concern on it, not are you using the space for business purposes, bringing in, you know, shipping in parts or having a container that you're then gonna put something on. I think if you're, you know, hopefully we get to a point where there's just so many containers coming in and out that we're having another conversation with you about is there another space or do you need more space or is the company really thriving? And I think right now in this economy, the fact that we have uh, a myriad of different types of, of industries and, and uh, companies out at Alameda Point is actually a blessing for the city, especially because the rent revenue and the revenue from that goes back into investing in the point. Some of you mentioned being out here a decade ago. I mean, I remember growing up here and I remember it being a military base, and I think it's great that we now are gonna have, not only do we have you know, marine technology and marine companies out there, but we're gonna have uh, an aeronautical uh, company out there. I think that's fantastic. So I, I'm in support of this. I, I know my colleagues, some, uh, some of them have different views. I plan on being supportive of, of the lease to get it across the finish line, but I also understand that it needs four votes. So thank you for your patience, and, and thank you for staff for for working diligently to address so many of the different issues that have been raised. Thank, thank you. Um, Vice Mayor Daysak, how about you? Ah, uh, yes, well, thank you. Um, you know, I take a look at this first by saying, you know, what is the, um, what are the rules in place, and does the um, proposed um, activity um, uh, conform with the rules in place? And for the most part, I think the answer to that question is yes. I mean, that's why I asked about the zoning. Um, it is kind of a, it is an industrially zoned area, and I think that's also its general plan designation. Um, and beyond um, these very specific rules, um, we also have certain guides and policies, um, uh, such as the Climate Action Resiliency Plan, one um, aspect of which does discuss, you know, encouraging um, decarbonization or industries that, that, that have, have a focus on electrification um, in place of, you know, um, um, oil um, burning um, type of industries. Um, so this certainly seems to be consistent with that. Um, but at the same time, you know, the residents here have really high expectations, especially when it comes to Alameda Point, because as indicated by the um, city staff member, Andrew Thomas, you know, if this were to happen over at 94502 at Harbor Bay Business Park, you know, you guys can actually go in there because you would fit the zoning and, you know, there, there's no question about it. But in this case, we, the city of Alameda, we own this, this site this area, so there is kind of a, a leverage point where, where we can exercise kind of a unique um, uh, leverage in terms of, of trying to meet the expectation of our residents, and they do set a high bar. Um, for example, I think one of the big questions that they asked was, you know, the, um, the, the question about pesticides. Um, and while uh, your company, per se, might not um, uh, be, you know, using petroleum-based pesticides, that um, users of your, your equipment might, might do so. But I think by the same token, I think tonight you addressed that question by saying that there, are, there is a, such a thing as, um, I, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but organic pesticides um, or, or uh, so, 
you know, one of the things uh, that, you know, we, I think we would expect of, of you is to be able to report, you know, how much uh, when it comes to the agriculture aspects of your company, which seems to be a key part of, of, of your business model, you know, how much, uh, you know, how, to what extent is the, you know, I, 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 the, the organic pesticide component, you know, growing, you know, and so probably by the year six or seven or eight, when you come up, when it's time to re-up, you know, we, we hopefully you will have measured that and so that we can kind of take a look at that to see what kind of, you know, what, what progress you have made um, uh, with respect to the concerns raised by the residents. Um, but my point on this point is that, you know, it's certainly an issue that, that I think you guys have um, substantively addressed tonight. I think the other issue that, that you've addressed tonight is, you know, the long, oh my God, the long-standing concern about containers. See, I've always, be, always, always been worried about becoming a dumping ground for the Port of Oakland, you know, where, you know, they're just gonna, they're always looking for a place to put um, containers, just land them anywhere. You see them over at Port of Oakland where they stack them like <laughs> 10 high. Um, but, you know, that, that's clearly not, not what you guys are all about. Um, the containers that you're using is, you know, it's, it's, it's not incidental to your business. It is a, a, an important component of your business. And as we said, this is a, you know, industrial area. There are going to be um, containers coming in and going out um, because that's what's needed in order to create the jobs um, in the industries that, that we want. Um, you know, hopefully one day as containers come in and out of Alameda or throughout our nation that the containers will be more um, environmentally sound. Um, but, you know, that's another policy discussion at another policy level um, that, that, that would take place. Um, so I feel like for tonight, I feel like you guys have addressed um, um, the, the key concerns raised by your residents with regard to the pesticide use, with regard to the container use, and I can only speak for myself as one of five um, council members. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, you're part of, of you know, creating jobs um, at uh, what was once a former military base where we lost a lot of jobs. And you're also part of bringing in, you know, new exciting industries. Uh, council member, former vice mayor Vela mentioned, you know, the marine industries, you know, other exciting industries are like the industries that are, you know, reaching for the stars in the form of Astra. So, you know, to see you guys, you know, um, invest in Alameda and to see the, um, the, invest, uh, the investor who came in through the phone also speak up, we certainly appreciate um, um, the, um, uh, the, the investment you're making in the city of Alameda, and we hope to have uh, more of, of these kinds of industries, and we appreciate um, the open-mindedness of your, of your workforce and the way in which you not just enjoy Alameda Point as a place of work, but as a place of recreation, and that you, you know, exhibit the same kind of values that so many of the residents here have when it comes to just loving our city of Alameda. So I appreciate um, your um, presence here, and um, maybe we can get four votes tonight. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Councilmember Harris Spencer, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, so I do appreciate all the comments from everyone. You know, um, when I ask about the containers, and the answer is, well, Target's got a lot of containers. I looked, and that's right near the tube. So my question really goes to, do we have any companies out there that have this uh, quantity of containers uh, that are going to be going down? There was a speaker that spoke to this, West Tower. Um, that street is very narrow now. I actually don't know what it is like to be on that street and have a container there also at the same time. 
uh, has anyone measured to see what, how much space is it going to just like stop traffic then? The width of these, um, you know, when you put them on a truck. I think city um, manager, did you want to? I was just going to say that if they're using Main Street to get out, they can also use Saratoga or Lexington to get out, and they're on, they're both on, and so they would go straight out to Main Street and then around Main Street as opposed to because I don't think we want them going through our town center area. So I would, so I think that's where we would have them go out. Well, so Thomas, West, did, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, do you want to come up and address any want might be too strong a verb, but I thought you might All be. All the lanes are 11 feet wide, so they're designed for trucks. Um, so there's not going to be, they don't, not going to, trucks are not going to stop traffic because they can't fit. I mean, they're, these lanes are designed for trucks. There's only one lane in either direction, but it is designed to accommodate trucks. Okay, well, I see traffic gets stopped all the time out there right now. Um, so um, I do not plan to support this project as is. I, I don't know if you're going to get your four votes or not. Um, if you do, I actually uh, am not the only one in town that has concerns about being able to protect our views. And I heard from some of you that you actually do care about our views, um, in which case I do hope that you'll be able to minimize the impact. Um, uh, it is not just industrial, it's mixed use out there, right? We've got uh, a lot of retail. We've got a lot of people, honestly, that just wanna go out and look at the views. And when we call it a view corridor and it actually comes down to just the width of a street, I don't think that's a view corridor. Uh, many of us like to be able to see the US Hornet from uh, West Tower. And I don't think we're gonna be able to do it if uh, you all block it just like Sail Drone has put up there slats that block the view. So we used to be able to go down West Tower and look across and look at the water. Can't do it from where Sail Drone is and their containers go above the fence line, which means you honestly have to be more than eight feet to be able to look across where Sail Drone is. If you guys do the same thing that Sail Drone did, then we are literally going from what used to be 60-60 uh, and 180 feet essentially of a view from building to building to 60 feet of just where the road is. So then we lose two thirds of our view. It does make a difference. We live on an island and you talk about caring about our environment. I think a lot of it is in fact what uh, we all get to enjoy. Um, and I, you know, I, this is not a new issue. I'm saddened that uh, I don't think enough time was spent on trying to figure this out. Um, but if you get the votes, I really hope that you come up with a way to minimize the impact. Uh, we did have also concerns in regards to uh, being part of this um, pesticide application and what really is that. And I do uh, appreciate trying to do it as least harmful as possible. I'm not quite sure that this is actually uh, the best solution. Um, and you know we have a lot of smart people in our city that wrote concerns about this too, um, but um, the culture of the company seems honestly very uh, appropriate and a good fit for Alameda. And if you actually spend time on West Tower, you're going to see that we we want um, this balance thing, right? We're trying to figure out the best balance. So I can I hope you continue to work on that. Thank you so much. All right, Council Member Jensen, would you like to comment? 
As um, Vice Mayor Desak pointed out, first of all, there's no policy um, against this. The zoning is there. The city has not, doesn't have a, any policy that would relate to or impact what PICA is doing on the base. PICA uh, has also expressed what I appreciate. PICA has expressed a unique support for Alameda. I appreciate that so many of the employees live here in Alameda and also the planned contributions to the Alameda Public School Science programs. I think that's going to be terrific. The, um, the also to me, important to me, is the support from Governor Newsom and the FAA. That demonstrates that you're, you're doing something for the community and the, you're not doing something to, that would be impactful of the environment. I, I, I would be very surprised if you would have received that grant if you were having a, a tremendously negative impact on the environment. So I, I appreciate that. And finally, Pike is a good fit. I think it's a good fit for our, for Alameda Point. Alameda Point as an uh, autonomous pilotless transportation center between rain, we have pilotless firefighting aircraft, we have cell drone unmanned surface vehicles and um, Astra orbital vehicles. So I, I just feel like PICA, uh, the electric autonomous aircraft that you're developing definitely will have applications and I'm, I'm excited to support the project. So um, I'll go last and again, thank you to everyone and to my colleagues for their comments. Um, some observations, I, I do um, expect you to be a good steward of our land at Alameda Point, but also of the planet. And um, I, I wanna talk a little bit more about that because what I would love to see is the willingness to modify those percentages in the sixth and seventh year toward, you know, it could be agriculture spraying, but with a larger percentage of organic product. And from what I've heard you say, the, the research and development, the movement is in that direction. Um, and also, I wanna make sure that, and I, I don't think I need to motivate you too much, but that your eye is on the ball for the, the cargo and the passenger um, uses. And so when I see 50% of R&D on agriculture and 50% um, on the rest of it, it just feels like after you know the first six and seven years should be a little bit different. Uh, I'd love to see you work with staff to uh, change those numbers a little, and I didn't want to put you on the spot, and I don't expect you to you know, reveal numbers and all that in public, but that is a concern with me, and I want to support you. Um, I have to say I was really um, taken by the gentleman who is both a board member and an investor, um, and he mentioned manufacturing leaving California, and that is certainly something that concerns me as a mayor, um, as someone who works you know, at the statewide level, um, with, I think Alameda, we're so fortunate in so many ways to have this wonderful area. Uh, Andrew Thomas has been working here for decades and we've just seen this amazing growth and development. So I, um, I, is there a way, city manager, that we could give direction to work toward um, 
percentages in those sixth and seventh years of the, um, the, the, the lease that have more emphasis on organic agricultural spraying and more on the other passenger and cargo uses? Um, so we have right now, it's a 50-50 split for agricultural. So I think the question is whether or not, um, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to think through what we, we could do. So if we, we wouldn't necessarily. And I think, did, did you converse with PICO today? I did, I did. And there, there, I mean, there was right now not a, I mean, I think con, concern of changing those at the slate of the game is my understanding, but I think if PICA were to agree to something where it was more of a, um, maybe that 50-50 of the 50%, 25% was on organics, or would something like that be better? I'm trying, I mean, it's really up to PICA to decide whether or not they want to change those percentages at this point, but I did, we did pose that to them, but. Um. Yes. <laughs> The answer is yes. I'm just trying to think how we could incorporate organics into it. So maybe of the 50%, could there be an agreement that 50% of that is on organics or some other kind of? Yeah, um, yeah thank you. Uh, we don't control what is being used here. So the growers control it. Um, they lease our aircraft, and they use them in the best way possible for their business. So I can't. I can't, we cannot mandate that they use a particular. Um, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't my point. I'm, I'm in the, um, I'm in the lease and we're in year six and seven, the um, total aggregate research and development money that you're spending on agriculture research, could it be that of that 50%, 25% is geared toward organic uses? Their R and D spending is geared toward organic uses. Yes. Um, can I have two minutes to talk with my engineering you have team? Two minutes. About it? You know what? Let's take a five-minute break. Okay. Okay. Thank you.
continue this wild night um, out past 11 on a Tuesday night. Oh my goodness, Alameda is a wild place. As soon as I've got, <laughs> really, um, who knew? Okay, do we have critical mass? I think we do. Okay, you ready for us, Madam Clerk? All right, welcome back. What can you tell us? Thank you. Um, yeah, so we discussed internally, I think all of the, the spray technologies that we're developing in terms of making the product better and more economical for organics. Um, we're gonna do that. It's very hard to label that as, like we're developing software, it's hard to label that as for organic. Um, so what we propose instead is 60%, at least 60% of our R&D goes toward other products outside of agriculture, 40% agriculture. A big part of that 40% is all of the, the spray um, improvement technologies. So the uses you talked about before, the um, firefighting, mosquito abatement, passenger cargo, all that? That's correct. Yeah. I can live with that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, and so um, just to wrap up, um, I... I was really impressed by all of you. you. You exceeded my expectations, and I really enjoyed visiting you out at your plant in Oakland. Um, so, yes, I I will support this. I the container concern. You can't have it both ways. If we're going to do manufacturing, if we're going to build and create products, they're not going to all you know be dropped in by drone. So, um, I think this is a good product, a good a good use, a good company, and I think we have four votes. So who's making that motion? Councilmember Ravella? Yeah, I'd like to make a motion uh, to approve, I think we're approving the ordinance. Um, with the, the yeah, ordinance and the, the, and the proposed, with the modification noted by the mayor um, relative to the R&D provision, 60% um, for uh, non-agricultural uses. In the year six and seven. In the year six and seven. Um, and then uh, to uh, approve the proposed lease. Do we get it all, Madam Clerk? All right. We have a motion, Vice Mayor. Is seconding Vice Mayor Daysock seconds. All those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 Opposed? Opposed. The motion passes four to one. Congratulations and really nice job, Pika. All right, thank you so much. All right, and staff, outstanding. Okay, we are, we, we're a little bit on the clock here because we got one more. Whoever drew, drew the short straw for, um, <laughs> for, go celebrate in the hall, please. Anyway, in the hall, we've got one more item, but good to see you all. Thank you so much, bye-bye. Okay, Madam Clerk, what's up next? 7-H, introduction of ordinance authorizing the city manager to execute a fifth amendment to the license with Amber Kinetics Inc. a manufacturer of energy storage technologies to extend the license term for 12 months and to establish a new monthly rent for the unimproved lot located at 641 West Redline Avenue for electrical system storage in accordance with the California Environmental Quality Act, this action is categorically exempt from further environmental review pursuant to CEQA guidelines section 15301 existing facilities. Aren't you glad that's her job? <laughs> yeah. I, she's kind of said it all. Yeah. It's a very okay. straightforward situation. Um, we've been extending this license. You know, licenses are usually for a year. They usually don't come. But we've been extending it and extending it. And now we've got to a point where we're extending it to the point where it's, it's, it's time to get to do it again, we need council approval. So existing tenant, one more year, 5% um, increase over the prior rent, basically from retroactively from May of this year to May of next year. 
pretty straightforward. We recommend approval. All right. Um, Madam Clerk, do we have any public comment on this? Well, I should look. <laughs> we do not. All right. We will close public comment, <clears throat> excuse me, on item 7H, and we'll open it up to the council. Councilmember Vella? I'd like to make a motion to move approval. Second. All right. We have a motion by Councilmember Vella, seconded by Councilmember Jensen. Any discussion? Seeing none, um, all those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. All right, that passes five to nothing. And we might have set a speed record there. I'm not <laughs> sure, but clerk will let us know later. Thank you. All right, so that completes the regular agenda item. And I have to say great work to staff because we had some meaty items. Um, starting in closed session and all the way till this, and so good work. Um, so um, next, um, you're up, Madam Clerk, City Manager Communications. Great, thank you. I'll, I'll make this quick. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Port of Oakland will be presenting to the council on October 3rd um, related to their project, their, uh, the Oakland Airport's proposed terminal modernization and development project, and they're collecting comments through October 16th. Um, and and you can read more about that at uh, oaklandairport.com forward slash terminal development. We also had a successful pilot launch of the new Alley Up shuttle at Alameda Point, mm -hmm. and we'll, be con we'll continue to make adjustments along the way, and you can read more about the shuttle and what ha what's happening at Spirits Alley at spiritsalley.com, and that is part of a larger Spirits Alley marketing campaign that the city and the Transportation Management Association are working together to fund and to manage. And then lastly, Rise Up Alameda is the city's two-year guaranteed income program, and we are opening applications this Friday, uh, September 8th, at riseupalameda.org. And Alameda's program aims to reduce economic instability for t participants while helping inform the larger discussion regarding effective, transformative anti-poverty policies. So thank you very much. Thank you. And then we move on to oral communications non-agenda items. Madam Clerk? We have no speakers. No speakers, so we'll close um, item nine. And we have no council referrals this evening, so we'll go to council communications. Uh, council members can speak for up to nine minutes to address any matter not on the agenda, uh, including reporting on conferences or meetings. So who'd like to lead off? Council member um, Jensen, uh, <laughs> I look at you and say it's getting late. Council member Harris Spencer. Uh, all right, so I wanted to share um, some significant police incident reports um, that the public may not be aware of. August 18th, uh, 5.37 a.m., uh, carjacking 2000 block of Clement. And what the report says is that an armed carjacking occurred at the above location, and the victim suffered minor injuries. Um, um, then there was another uh, carjacking, and I want to discuss this one. Okay, this was August 26 at 6 p.m., an attempted carjacking at San Antonio and Morton. And on that one, a juvenile male suspect assaulted an adult female victim and attempted to take uh, her vehicle. For some reason, the suspect was unable to actually start in the car and fled. Um, but I want to, I, I hope that the public is aware of the different times at, uh, that this is happening. Then there's another incident that I uh, learned about on social media. 
uh, and this was an alleged car theft that happened on College Avenue at 5.30 p.m. on, a sat on uh, Saturday, August 26th. And on that one, again, uh, well, that one, a, a handgun was pulled, uh, allegedly, and, and uh, the attempt to steal a car, and it was somehow prevented by having uh, a club on the steering wheel that uh, allegedly prevented the um, people that were trying to steal the car to actually be able to drive away with the car. Uh, but these are all over Alameda at, at times that most of us are out and about, 5.30 on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, you know, allegedly someone is out there with a gun trying to steal someone's car. So I think it's very important that everyone be aware of these incidents that are uh, happening in Alameda. Thank you. Councilmember Vela. I just wanted to thank uh, our firefighters uh, for organizing a tremendous event at Alameda Point. Uh, they raised uh, almost $25,000 for uh, the Maui uh, relief efforts. Um, and I know a, a number of, of us attended, a number of Alamedans attended. It was a well-attended event. Um, and there was, uh, I also want to thank our, our, our businesses who donated and, and others, uh, including Faction, as well as um, uh, Cafe Jolie, and, and I think uh, it was a, a great event, it was a great cause. Um, I want to also uh, mention a couple other things that are, are forthcoming, um, but our, a couple of our schools in Alameda have received a number of different awards. I mentioned last year that we had some distinguished schools. Um, we also uh, have a couple green ribbon schools, which means um, much in line with what we're doing uh, in, in terms of our efforts. Um, uh, around climate change and, and uh, planning ahead. We have schools that are, are making an impact and getting recognized by the state of California as well as the U.S. Department of Education and uh, we are really leading the way on these efforts and so um, a couple of our schools, uh, Bay Farm as well as uh, Edison are going to be um, part of a tour um, uh, with uh, representatives from the U.S. Department of Education uh, late in, uh, later this month. Um, our mayor will be coming um, and a number of other dignitaries. It's, it's really a, a great cause for celebration. Um, it, uh, I think uh, the, I went to a, the lead abatement meeting at the end of July. Um, there are some things that we're going to be uh, sending a letter to uh, the Board of Supervisors to just kind of keep them appraised of of some of our efforts um, and just so that they know what some of the costs and impacts are. Um, some of the the discrepancies in rent control um, very uh, protections throughout the county have created a number of different issues with a number of tenants not feeling comfortable outside of cities like Alameda uh, and Oakland that have pretty, in, in Berkeley, that have uh, pretty uh, clear and, and helpful um, rent control provisions, but in, in unincorporated Alameda County, we're seeing a number of uh, folks who aren't um, availing themselves of uh, the abatement efforts because uh, they're fearful of retaliation and things like that. So um, just to, to say that there's um, yet another aspect where having these sort of provisions really does make a difference in terms of quality of life. Um, and uh, of course we have uh, back to school and so, uh, you know, uh, glad that our, uh, our all of our families are, are headed, uh, our students are headed back to school. Um, I've been amazed at the number of students who are, are walking and biking and the number of families um, that are biking. And I know, um, Madam Mayor, you said on ACTC, I'm really hoping that this year 
um, some of our Alameda schools can can um, can maybe win the Golden uh, Sneaker Award. <laughs> exactly, <Yes>. exactly. <laughs> so, um, but just a, a reminder to folks to be mindful of of um, our our students and and families that are are traveling, um, either biking or walking to and from school. Um, I've had a couple close calls myself over on High Street with the kids. And uh, I know we're all rushed in the mornings, but if we can just take that extra moment, um, I think it really will make a difference to make sure that our streets really are safe for, for folks of all modes. Thank you. Um, continuing down the line, um, Vice Mayor Daysock. Well, thank you. Uh, since we last met in July, there have been several um, events and meetings along with uh, Council Member Jensen on July 20th, uh, both of us sat in on the meeting with the AC Transit um, um, representatives as part of the Interliaison Committee, I believe that's the mm -hmm. name. Um, <clears throat> and then, and it was very fruitful, a lot of um, good information provided. And then on July 22nd, um, I attended the Alameda Relay for Life event, attended also by Council Member Trish Herrera-Spencer and made welcoming remarks on behalf of uh, Mayor Ezzie Ashcraft and, you, and, Mayor. The, and the City Council as a whole, made yeah. sure to mention all the City Council that. members. That very same day on July 22nd, Saturday, um, attended the <clears throat> building opening of the California Radio Historical Society. Um, it's a beautiful building and um, you should go in there and see all the radio equipment and stuff. It's really, there's a huge, it's a big thing, apparently, um, and 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 you know it is fittingly in the city of Alameda because of our long history with um, telecommunications. Um, for those who don't know, we were um, not only the first city to have long-distance telephone because of the um, because of our uh, historical ties with being the endpoints for the transcontinental railroad, but we are also one of the first cities to have um, direct dial. Um, a long distance call. Oh, wow. um, so um, and so to have the um, <clears throat> to have the radio uh, historical society kind of uh, come to Alameda as their uh, place of, of headquarters, um, I think is fitting given the telecommunications connection. Finally, on oh no, actually two more things. Um, on August seventh, um, <clears throat> again on behalf of Mayor Ezzy Ashcraft and um, council members, who I noted. Um, attended the um, Civilian Employee of the Quarter at the Coast Guard Island, as well as the Coast Guard personnel of the Quarter, um, and that was on August 7th. Um, so, and finally, um, in um, late July, um, sat down with the um, Private Auditors, Mason Associates, to go over kind of auditor type of questions that she asked me for my response. And then apparently, I guess this is a, an annual kind of thing that council members do. So that was the first time I've done that. Um, so that was, um, I believe she you know, summarized all. So I'll make sure to um, uh, get the summary of our discussions to city staff, so. Thank okay, you, thank, thank you. you, Vice Mayor. And I do wanna reiterate my thanks to you. It's a big help. Sometimes I'm out of town, sometimes I'm just double booked, and so it's really nice. And I turn first to the vice mayor, but I think you all know that I reach out to you all too. So, but thank you, I appreciate you standing in for me. And Councilmember Jensen, nothing to report. Okay, so um, 
I wanted to first make an announcement that uh, we had an opening come up on the Golf Commission. A commissioner needed to step down, and so I had just recently done my interviews for boards and commissions. And as always, we just had stellar candidates. So we reached back out to the candidate who I would have loved to have appointed at the time. His name is Clifford Tong. And um, he said yes. So he will be, um, well, I will, he will come, his um, nomination will come to you for, um, for approval of the full council. But uh, I think you'll enjoy um, hearing about him. He's um, uh, now retired, but an avid golfer all over the world an angel investor these days, but just really um, interested in in um, Karika Park and, and excited to, um, now that he's retired, to spend some time giving back to his community. Um, and then I also attended the, um, the firefighters benefit on um, Friday, as did um, Councilmember Harris Spencer was there. I saw Assistant City Manager Woldridge too. And, it was just amazing. I'm delighted to hear how much money they raised for such a good cause. And I understand that one of the firefighters flew in the grandfather from, Ma uh, from Oahu who made the chicken teriyaki and the grandmother did the fried rice and had the friend who was that lovely Hawaiian singer who had the friends who were the dance troupe. Oh my goodness, um, <laughs> it takes a village. But it was, it was just a lovely event and just one of those Alameda kind of events, so um, so nice and for such a good cause. Um, also on this weekend, I attended on Sunday the opening day of Bay Area United, which is a soccer league, and I had to do a little um, research about them, but it is, these are largely Yemeni um, immigrant families from all over the Bay Area. I mean, in Alameda, you, you know, we have probably know that we have a significant uh, Yemeni population that the owner of Al Jazeera Market was there with his sons. They're part of this group. But it was really impressive. And it was out at Estuary Park. And um, it was their opening day. And from the little ones up to the teens and their coaches, some of them, I understand, played professional soccer um, in, you know, in Europe and around the world. And so just really exciting um, to see you know, soccer. I mean, if you've all been watching the Women's World Cup this summer, it's pretty exciting to see um, those women. And OK, maybe not the US team this year, but there was some, there was some great soccer. So that was, that was fun. Um, I, did, um, I was honored to be invited to be on a panel at Coast Guard Island Alameda, um, our public information officer Sarah Henry went with us a week or two ago, it was Women's Equity Day, and um, I just had a great time participating with um, a couple officers, and the moderator was a retired uh, Coast Guard. She retires as a captain. She happens to also be the wife of the Rear Admiral who oversees the whole Pacific area, but just, just um, such an honor to be there and to share experiences and answer questions. Uh, I also referenced earlier this um, Bay Area Housing Financing Authority. Um, I was on a webinar for that. Oh, I'm going to share the, the um, presentation with the city manager. This is something that I think is going to be of significant interest to our city. We will um, hopefully you know, get more information about it, maybe even a presentation between now and you know, before the November election. And I'm also for the uh, League of California Cities I'm on the board of directors for the next two years, and I volunteered to be on this 
task force um, that is uh, working on opposition to this California Business Roundtable measure, the so-called Taxpayer Protection Act that our council voted unanimously to approve, and um, City Manager Jen Ott and um, our Finance Director Margaret um, O'Brien and I all presented to the Chamber um, Board and um, which voted to also oppose it, which was which was really good news. And in fact, the State Chamber of Commerce had come out in support, and I think they started hearing a lot of pushback from cities, and um, they reversed their position. They just, they withdrew their support, and they said, we're staying neutral. All of you chambers of commerce around the state, you just make your own decisions. So we we're really pleased that our, our local chamber is going on record opposing it. And um, and then the um, the last thing I wanted to say is there was reference to some crimes, auto-related crimes that have occurred in our city. As I said in my most recent newspaper article, we are a Bay Area city. We're not immune to crime, and so. But what we do have going for us is a very responsive police department. We have one of our fine officers in the back of the room right now, but we also have a really impressive case closure rate. So, um, and something I said maybe two articles ago, this was, and this was information from uh, Captain Jeffrey Emmett about how to protect yourself from auto crime. You do need to always be aware of your surroundings, even in your car, and um, a good rule of thumb is when you stop, this is something I'm teaching myself to do, when you're stopped at a stop sign, at a signal, whatever, don't pull all the way up almost to the car in front of you. No, leave yourself enough space so that you can see the end of your hood and the rear uh, tires, rear wheels of the vehicle in front of you and pavement in between. And why do you do that? That's because if somebody approached you, you have the maneuvering room to get out in a hurry. I mean, we just, you know, we have to, we have to think of these things and also, as Captain Emmett would say, Keep your eyes up when you're when you're stopped. Don't be looking down at your phone, at your device, because people could be watching you, and they know when you're inattentive. And you shouldn't be on your phone in your car anyway, right? Um, and so um, that's you know that's something we need to be mindful of. But I also do want to share with everyone, in case they didn't know, it, it was um, concerning to me that I um, I heard about the the attempted carjacking on San Antonio near. Um, uh, Morton uh, on a Saturday early evening, and oh, just earlier, not much earlier that evening, I had been out to present a certificate to an Alameda resident who was turning 102. Just amazing. Um, she happens to be the grandmother of the husband of Dr. Minnie Swift, who is a wonderful doctor with Alameda County Health and um, was on my mayor's COVID-19 um, vaccine task force. You would not have known this woman was 102. She was amazing. But the good news is that the suspect, which was a juvenile, was located by um, APD and arrested that same night. So if anything happens, you want to um, don't post on social media first, please. If it's ongoing in progress, you dial 911. You can even text 911. And if it's something that you've seen that's already happened or happened to you, call Alameda Police Department, um, non-emergency number. We have a very responsive police department. And with that, I thank you all for all your hard work tonight. And this meeting is adjourned. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much, staff. Great job and council.